Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls, which is ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going? You're the man now, dog. <laughs> Listeners, we may have been uh, discussing the Sean Connery vehicle, and we were discussing whether it's also a Derek Luke vehicle, Finding Forrester, before we started recording today. Um, you can let us know your thoughts. I think we've we've settled on uh, Connery vehicle. Derek Luke, glad to get a paycheck at this point. Right. It was. It was. It had to be pretty early in his career, so I think breakout. Just breakout is. Right, getting to the star along Connery type of thing. Been doing stuff for a while, finally getting paid kind uh-huh, of situation. Uh-huh. Yes, I think that's about right. right. Um, but this is not a Finding Forrester podcast, alas. Instead, oh, it is a TV podcast. We, we would get all the listeners, Kate. Yeah. We should start that. <laughs> oh, We'd be the only ones. We'd have that market cornered. And what a market. What <laughs> a market. Um, well... Uh, Noel, we got some tweets from people this week that we wanted to mention here at the top of the show. We heard from Carl, who's looking for Netflix recommendations, um, and appreciated the the shout out to Wrecked. Like he he was happy to check that out and has been enjoying it. I would say he should wait till our week in genre and drama when we'll be talking about a certain lady wrestling show. Indeed, it's it's very good. But are there any um, others? Um. I mean, obviously, Terrace House, which I'll also discuss in our reality section. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, off the top of my head, I didn't get a chance to watch Gypsy before we recorded any, but also the reviews didn't seem super positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am going, though, to probably watch a bunch of Perot this weekend because mm-hmm. I uh, just read for like the first time ever Mur- Murder in the Orient Express. Oh, really? Uh, and what, what yeah. did you think? I really enjoyed it. I forgot how it ended because I'd seen the movie, but I'd, I'd forgotten how it ended. And so she's like, oh, right. And also, this hangs together much better than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, so, no, I really enjoyed it. So I'm actually probably going to – I actually have, like, two other pros that I'm going to read soon. Yeah. Um, and But, yeah, I think I'm probably going to watch some because I've never really, like, sat down and watched a lot of Perot, like, a little bit, but not a lot. Oh. So I think that's – I think Carl should watch that with me. I look forward to your your tweets should you (laughs) decide to take that route later on. I have such a fond place in my heart for the David Suchet uh, uh, Poirots. And I have no time. I have no time for Albert Finney. And I have negative time for this new thing that's happening. I'm so excited about Kenneth Branagh. No. I'm so excited. No. I love the the mustache. It's amazing. No. Yeah. No. He's super Belgian. No, that's I have strong feelings. I saw the trailer when I went to one, see Wonder Woman, and, and I was just I was there for some of it. I was like, okay, you know, interesting. I mean, why again? But okay, whatever. Um, I liked some of the casting, and then I was just we got to the shot of him, and I was like, no, dude, no, Branna, you do not he's have so, to play everything. He's so thirsty for a franchise, though. He's so thirsty. He yeah. wants a franchise so bad. Jack Reacher didn't pan out. He got kicked off the Thor movies. Dude, need, dude wants a franchise. No, no. Not I, Jack Reacher, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan didn't pan out. Though I do find it interesting that I'm so much more flexible with uh, with Holmes's, though I do mm-hmm. not accept Robert Downey Jr. as an answer. But, like, growing up with the, <laughs> with the Brent ones, you know, Jeremy Brent ones. Right, and to I, me, I, that's, like, the only acceptable answer. 
See, like, but yeah, but I enjoy many different versions of it. You know, the the early part of the Benedict Cumberbatch series, which is you know being kind, the Moffat series, if you want to be a little less. Um, and of course, obviously, we we're fans of Elementary here, and I've seen right. many many versions of Holmes, and I can usually appreciate the different performances as long as there's something there to really, you know, like a take that the actor's doing. But with Poirot, I'm like, no. No Albert <laughs> Finney. Maybe I would like that one in the movie now if I watched it now that I know who Albert Finney is. But it was just like, sure. you aren't David Suchet <laughs> when I was younger. Well, which is a mean thing to say to Albert Finney. <laughs> you know, he's kind of doing his own. He's doing OK, Albert Finney. Yeah. He's like, you know, it's pretty good. Um, we got we've gone down a rabbit hole here. Uh, we have. I apologize for that. But uh, do you have any recommendations for Carl? Well, what I said to Carl was that maybe check out Chewing Gum. Which, spoiler alert, may be popping up on the Televerse uh, later right. this summer as something we discuss. And then he would be, you know, getting ready for a future segment. That's a good idea. So. And also, we never announce these segments in advance. So, hey, everyone. Like maybe. I said, spoiler <laughs> alert, maybe yeah. catch up with that show. Um, we also heard from Brandy, who uh, thanked us for recommending Independent Lens. Um, and so let us know, Brandy, what you think of Real Boy when you get a chance to actually watch it. Um, and I also wanted to say thank you to Ad Bad for the Fish and Florex Association uh, for some love on Twitter, which we really appreciate. It's, it's like, oh, they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you you listen to us. You really listen to us. <laughs> well, I don't know how much they really listen to us. Right. I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping that they use the um, chapter feed and just skip around. Just get, that's what I would do, frankly. But right. uh, but anyway. also be sure to listen to our Squarespace ads. Yes. Yes. Those ones. Those ads we definitely have. Um we have some sad TV news this week. The Carmichael show was canceled, and I found this out because you told me because I was watching Glow, so I have not been on Twitter. Yeah. Hopefully there's been a very strong response. Well, I just saw my um, friend, um, whatchamacallit, retweeted, and I was just like, oh, okay. And apparently, like, it was a combination of Gerard Carmichael is also was, like, saying he was ready to leave. Mm-hmm. So the show, NBC just went, oh, okay, well. Fair enough. It's the Carmichael show. Can't really get another Carmichael to be on the show. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so he exited and NBC just went, my. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you can't make the Carmichael, like you're saying, you can't make it without Gerard Carmichael. Yeah. It's disappointing. Um, we'll talk more about their episode uh, later this uh, week in comedy, later in the podcast. But um, yeah, it, it. what else are you going to do? It's, so I, I, I can retract my bad feelings towards NBC then, because it sounds like it's not really on them. Yeah, I think most most of it was on Carmichael um, being ready to move on to other projects. And f- and, fair enough, right? And I I, 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 mean, a lot of it I imagine also boiled down to maybe like 20th Century Fox going, "You're not making any money for us. Um, <laughs> we appreciate this, but um, so who knows? But yeah, it sounds like he's ready to go on for other um, projects now. So. Yeah. Well, we will be getting, though, a TV movie for Sense8, a la their, their Christmas special, so like a two-hour movie for them, uh, which should wrap up any questions um, and concerns and uh, provide some closure for fans. <laughs> the letter that got, you know that, that they put out on, the twi- on Twitter, that's the Sense8 Twitter. It was Lana, that, right? I think so, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but I saw it being tweeted by the, the Sensate account. Um, but uh, right. very specifically says, and then who knows? 
news. But I mean, that just seems kind of like a little mean. Like, this is true. Nobody right. knows. Maybe right. all of a sudden the show will become a sensation. It's not going to happen. Um, no, because Netflix is the only place that could afford to pay for this show. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very glad that we're, I'm like super over the moon that we're getting another, you know, any amount of this show. But like, let's not, let's, let's do, let's take advantage of this opportunity to wrap up at least somewhat. Yeah. Like, I don't need closure, but right. it, I know there are a lot of people who really would appreciate, a lot of fans who would really appreciate that. Well, I'm actually like curious about this concept of closure because I I mean, Netflix hasn't really canceled anything prior to like this year. And I I have to imagine that they want as much of a self-contained unit for their original programming as possible. Just to go like so so you can watch all of it and have like a complete experience, not like you have this random broadcast show that they picked up and licensed and they're yeah. just like, "Oh, what's next?" Well, nothing. Because, you know, they didn't make it. Um, so, but that being said, it's also not like we're going to get a conclusion movie to Girl Boss, which also got canceled this week. Because mm-hmm. um, no one really liked Girl Boss. And also, it doesn't end super well. There you go. <laughs> um, given in real life that it doesn't end super well. <laughs> so, I, I feel like that's part of it, but I feel like you want that, especially with a genre show. But I think probably the outcry certainly played into it yeah certainly i I don't think they were expecting the response that they got um i was really heartened to see it i'll be honest i was like where were all of you when i was talking about how great this show (laughs) was (laughs) like (laughs) i didn't know there were so many of us which is a lovely thing to experience uh as opposed to the other way around but um but yeah so so at least we have a little positive tv news this week uh helping you know ball like a balm for the carmichael show news um, at the end of the show this week, speaking of fun TV news, we are joined by a friend of the show, Allison Shoemaker, uh, from AV Club, Consequence of Sound, a bunch of other places, and we're we'll gonna be talking season one of American Gods, and listeners, we did warn her ahead of time that- Yeah, we told her. We don't like this season, but she does, so that should be a really fun conversation. Tune in at the end of the, at the end of the episode. But now let's get into our week in comedy. Uh, we got some premieres, we got some finales, there's plenty of interesting things to discuss. So, uh, let's dive into it. Yes, Noel? Let's. Okay, we'll be right back after this. comedy we'll be talking about the premiere of playing house which came back for season three uh the 
Airing on TV, we had this week Cookie Jar and None of Your Business. We'll also talk about the premiere of Younger uh, post-Truth. I'll talk a little bit about the Veep finale groundbreaking uh, before we transition over to Wrecked, Cayman, and the Carmichael show Shoot Upable. So first up is Playing House. And Noel, I was torn. Do I watch the entire season, which was made available on the, the USA app? Do I savor these episodes like the delicious, delicious candy that they are? Uh, so I decided to just do two this week. Uh, okay, I was behind us some of my other viewing. What approach right. did you take, and uh, how how does this how do these two episodes rate for you with the rest of the show? Right. So I came back from Tacoma on Sunday really exhausted um, because it was like a three hour bus ride back up to where I live, and I got home. I watched Bake Off, and it was also super hot. And <laughs> after watching Bake Off, I just watched. The entire third season of Playing House. It's only eight episodes. <laughs> yeah. But I just watched all of it. Yeah. And as soon as I got through the uh, Universal Comcast USA trailers for The Mummy and for The Great Wall, um, it was really smooth sailing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I'm sticking it to these two episodes because we'll discuss the sh- rest of the show going forward um, over the next couple of weeks. Or... Uh, next week when I watch the rest of the season week. now that oh, I know they've okay. already seen it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, next week. So yeah, next week. We'll we'll do it next week. Um, then I like both of these episodes. I think they're both really fun. I, I enjoy like Cookie, I think is really great. And just the whole reintroduction of the dynamic of ex, ex, the reinduction of the premise, I should say, of this is why I'm here. This is why we're here. We're sisters for life. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate that. No, I need a minute. Uh, that's beautiful. I need a minute. Let's hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah it's great. Uh, <laughs> so, I, no, I really, I really appreciated both of these two episodes, and um, they're also kind of blurring together in the sun tired haze. Uh, so, I'll have more to say next week. How did you feel about someone who only watched both of these episodes? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that they were really fun. Like, I'm just so glad to have the show back. I love the dynamic. Right. Uh, like, just yeah. really everyone on this yeah. show and you know you talking about your experience watching the season that's what i should have been doing on monday when i was destroyed from foolishly not wearing sunscreen uh as i walked around all day sunday and went to the pride parade and then mm-hmm. like got got back and was like huh, i'm a little warm and my family just looked at me and they're like you're already a lobster so Monday was just spent, like, I was just dead. I was just dead all day. I slept until I had to go to work, and then I got back from work, and then I slept some more. Um, I should have been watching. Uh, I did watch Bake Off, but I should have watched it then, and I certainly should have watched more Playing House. Uh, the 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 rapport of the show, like, the feeling of it, like, I, when, when they had all those, uh, like, those ads that they were doing in the last season, and there were some pretty blatant product placement here as well um oh it gets so much worse (laughs) i i feel like that was a little disappointing at first but i was like you know honestly i'm happily watching these car ads just because i like spending time with lennon parnham right and jessica st Clair. and uh, i was very disappointed when they were gone for so long until we found out why Uh, cancer um so so I really appreciated having it back and was able to really savor it. That's when I was like thinking and I I was like, should I watch more of it? Should I? I was like, you know what? At least this week, I'm just going to really enjoy knowing that I have six more to go. Right. Um, And 
like you said, they do reestablish the premise. Anybody who has not uh, seen the show could easily, easily dive in with these episodes. Um, yeah. and, and there's there's more. There's more of this type of TV on now than when the show started. Um, but I still think that the dynamic, I mean, Parham and St. Clair have been friends, I think, pretty much forever, <laughs> it seems like. Um, and that that dynamic that they share is so organic and just wonderful it's so relaxed and comfortable to watch um that you know it's it's it's, i think it tops the other versions of this kind of dynamic that i've seen um on tv right now there's not a lot of it but like like, we're gonna talk about younger next and they're certainly going for some of the same feel on younger as well but um yeah the the blend of ridiculousness and very relatable comedy, the stuff with St. Clair and Keegan Michael Key is terrific. I mean, Keegan Michael Key in uh, a tuxedo. I'm sorry, I need some CPR because we're all dead. Um, it is super cute and fun and just, just, it, it's popcorn. But I feel like that isn't strong enough praise for it. You know, it's, it's TV, it's, right? Because it, it, it's not meaningless. Because it, it, it's, it's really easy to watch and it's really fun but it also fills a need in your tv viewing if you're looking for female relationships if you're i should be specified if you're looking for white female relationships it's a very white show um but if you're if you're looking for just people dealing with kind of regular life but it heightened enough that it can be funny Right. I think the show does that better than pretty much anybody else. Yeah, and I agree. And even when they draw from real life, um, they still manage to make it feel kind of fantastical because, like, Mark's whole dinner that he cooks for Maggie um, is... Um, <laughs> I just warned him a banana! <laughs> yeah, is an actual dinner that a friend of theirs was given from a significant other. Oh, wow. Okay. Comple- complete with the banana. Uh-huh. And it's just like, yeah, that that's that's too real, guys. Mm-hmm. That's too real. So, Kate, how would you respond if someone gave you something that you couldn't decide if was fish or chip and fish or chick and dry noodles and a banana that they heated up in the microwave? I have to like them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the reach for the wine glass—that's what I'm remembering. It might have been a water mm-hmm. glass. I think that's the right response, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it, again, it, they, they make, they make you believe stuff on this show that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, like, like bird bones, uh, Tina, Tina still being around doesn't make any yeah, sense. There's, there's no justification for that apart from the fact that everyone loves Lindsay Sloan. Who doesn't? Yeah. That's and... the thing though. I, I enjoy yeah. Lindsay Sloan so much on the show that I don't care. <laughs> Give me more Tina. I will explain in my brain the reason that she's still there, even if, you know, it doesn't fit. So, so just again, the the casting of the show like it brings you Diane Raphael in here. Veep, this is how you use her. Give her anything to do. She's not amazing. She doesn't get that much to do, but at least she gets something. Um, yeah. And they might be a bit blatant and heavy on the scale with their introduction of obviously a love interest um, uh, for Glenn and Parham, but but still, the the feel of the show. I just. I just keep coming back to it. It's so very comfortable. And uh, yeah, that's a perfect, perfect summer viewing. It is. It is perfect summer viewing and perfect for like to just do all at once. Yeah. <laughs> do a binge. Okay. Um, I will do that this week. We will talk more next week. 
let's talk about Younger because you. I was not expecting that you were going to watch this. Have you seen any Younger before? This is the season four premiere post Truth. Right. Right. No, I I'd seen like the first four to six episodes um, from season one, and mm-hmm. I haven't watched a single episode since. And. Uh, it, it was fine. Um, like it, it feels very much like a show that you can just very easily slide into without having to worry too much about dynamics. Even though I'm immediately rooting for the guy who takes women on dates to see Hemingway collections, right? Peter and, Herman, yes, right. Um, but also, it's just like, um, but it's also kind of weird. It's like, here's my family's old Hemingway collection. Aren't I rich? And it's just like, this is weird, but cool, but weird. Um. And, but no, I enjoyed it, um, and it, it was fun. Um, but as like someone who has like an actual connection to everything that's <laughs> happening here, um, and more than just a surface level understanding of the dynamics and like why it was such a big deal that Hillary Duff's character went to, I'm assuming is the guy who asked her to marry her, yeah, and she said no, and now she's living with Hillary Duff's living with that guy, and that's going to be fun. Yeah, well, no, she didn't have the opportunity to say no because the years of, oh, okay. or seasons, not years, but seasons yeah. of UST with her and hot boss who thinks she's much younger and therefore uh, is trying to fight his attraction to her, um, uh, but is actually they're the same age and are clearly being designed to be perfect for each other, um, boil over into a kiss that about to propose guy saw. Oh. As he was headed back, and then she goes into the room, and he's because he had a, he went to get ice, and there's marry me on the bed. So like, he didn't uh, even get the chance to propose because he did, but she didn't. wait. Does he does he know how old she is? Yes, yes. Okay, he knows that okay. right away from the show, and that's that's part of the tension. If you're a fan okay. of shipping, as we all know that I am, in the right circumstances. Um, so he's the young guy. Uh, he's like 26, 27 or something. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, completely not uh, a good fit, but in other ways, a wonderful fit. And he knows the truth and accepts her for, for that. Whereas Herman, uh, the, sorry, I don't remember the character's name, but the actor is Peter Herman, um, thinks that she's in his in, in her 20s and therefore, right. you know, I, I would love if the show would actually have, have him find out and then he was less attracted to her, at least for mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, that would be a wonderful thing for them to do, but I don't right. think they're going to do that. Um, he's too obviously long-term for the show right. to do that. But anyways. Hey, Kristen Chenoweth's trying to steal him away. Oh, my. Well, how did you feel about their blatant Kellyanne Conway approach? Well, yeah. not being familiar with the show, I just, I thought it was really weird that they <laughs> decided to do Kellyanne Conway. But I also went, no one is better suited to play a weird, exaggerated version of Kellyanne Conway than Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated the casting, but it was it was still kind of weird that we just kind of had this section in here, even if it sort of made a degree of thematic sense mm-hmm. of like, the fact that she's just been lying all this time to all these people. And it's just like, no, no, it's not a lie. It's lie from a certain perspective and post-truth. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was just ahead of the curve, everyone. Also, just you say years and you're, you corrected yourself to say seasons. So how much of a time frame are we talking about? <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. Um, long enough that it doesn't seem crazy entirely for Josh to propose, but it is in real life. But like in TV time, it's not that crazy. Okay. Um, so a span of months, two years, uh, long okay. enough for, for Hillary Duff's 
uh, fiance, horrible, terrible fiance, to try to uh, blackmail Liza, and then something happens uh, that I don't spoil for you. That's super funny. Um, and then they break up, and then she has to move on. It's a whole thing. Long enough that some serious things can have gone down that as viewers were willing to accept. Um, we're probably talking about the show a little, little too long here, because it is a very slight show, but I think it, it is a really good vehicle for Sun Foster, and it captures it her, like, her, diff- her varied skills, and I think in a, in a really nice way. Now, the question for you, Noel, how much are you willing to give them with the idea that, that Sun Foster is 20, like... Even if you if they assume she's lying about her age a little bit, that she's in her twenties, late twenties, can you give that to them? No, like I, I love Sutton Foster and think she's amazing, and I even joked about the fact that my on-demand version of of um, what call it of younger was not in high definition, but somehow Sutton Foster herself was in high definition. Um, <laughs> I'm not willing to give that to them. Um, but I'm, but I mean, I'm also willing to like accept the fact that a show has smoke monsters or all sorts of random things. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I can roll with this. Fair enough. Do you think (laughs) you'll watch any more? Uh, I don't see why not. I am like my, the, one of the big reasons I turned this on apart from a desire for you to like me even more (laughs) is that my schedule is a little light right now. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, "Eh, I've got time to work this in. And so I worked it in. So right now I think I've got like the space to kind of keep this in rotation. I just hope I get TV land in high definition because it it, it hurts my eyes a little bit to watch things in standard def now. No, I feel you. I feel you. Well, if you do keep watching, we'll have, I I assume at some point more to say. I look forward to seeing how the season plays out. I was willing to give them Hilary Duff moving in with the ex, which I think is a really smart way to keep him on the show after they've broken up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think if there wasn't such strong tension between, you know, Hilary Duff and uh, and Eliza, the, you know, Sutton Foster, then you couldn't buy it at all. But because it's sort of like a subconscious F you to Eliza for her to do this, yeah. um, I think it, it works. And I think it's a very – because I was wondering how they were going to keep him on the show. Um, I think that works really well. So we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But I know it's, it's certainly a show that I really enjoy. And, and I do think it's in that kind of playing house vein – um, mm-hmm. though a bit more heightened and screwball and, uh, well, not more screwball, but no, not more screwball, but definitely more heightened. And, yeah. um, it's, it's a little more realistic insofar as like, it's a kind of not a great part of New York that these people live in. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas playing house is a adjacent to stars, <laughs> hollow, idyllic it's sort of space inside a magazine is what it right. is. It's very much inside a magazine. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next show, which is Veep, and it, they had their season ten, uh, season six finale, groundbreaking, <laughs> and you can uh, see my review over at the AV Club. I was not a big fan of this finale, while fully acknowledging that I'm sure most fans of the show are, and the reason was that first of, that, that I wasn't laughing enough to not be bothered by the fact that this season ends with the show reestablishing most of the norms of the show. So the season ends, not getting a look from Noel, not with her all of a sudden being vice president again somehow, but okay. with well, that's good. the announcement that Selena is now going to run for the presidency again. We've spent sure. m- most of the show with her running for office. And yes, that might be very realistic in the world of, of uh, politics in America. Certainly some like the representatives uh, are running every two years. So they're always running, but right. 
and, and something obviously campaigns are something that the show does really really well we've seen that in previous seasons so i get the desire to go back to that to that well but they're gonna have selena running and jonah running as well next season but two seasons like, last season was selena running and jonah running and uh the season before that was selena running and like this is it's too much of the same thing. And granted, this season hasn't worked that well, so I understand them wanting to try something different and feeling like, oh, yeah, it didn't really work with her outside of the, you know, as a political outsider and outside of the sphere. Like, we need to get back to it. But one of the things I liked best about the season premiere was that they established clearly that there was no way she was a viable candidate anymore and that she was not going to run again. Um and they undid it. And so they they also took Dan and made him a, like, a talking head. Like, um, he, he's hosting CBS This Morning this season on the show. And then had him lose that job and go back into politics and do the same thing again next next season. And that was actually one of the best parts of the show. Jonah in the, in the house was one of the best, funniest parts of the show this season. And now he's going to be running for president again. So it's like... Of the of the different changes that they had to to the dynamics this season, most of them worked really really well and gave some of the actors and some of the and, and the characters, but also the actors, some of the best material they've had in the entire series. And then they didn't know what to do with Selena out of office, so you didn't need to change all the other stuff to fix the stuff with Selena. And it was it was just really frustrating for me to watch because we're supposed to buy that. Like they they have some they have a lot of jokes at the expense of the characters' intelligence and their their like the decisions that we know that they would make they they are bringing Brian Husky on it appears into a much larger role next season which is wonderful because he's very very funny and he's always terrific on the show and more Brian Husky on my TV is gonna be a good thing but they want me they want me to believe that this journalist who's he's, he's a career journalist he's gotten uh, he has a, a really great reputation he just um, had this huge piece that uh, this um scoop that got him a lot of cred as a journalist and he's throwing all that away to be the new like spokesperson for selena's bid to be president again i don't buy it for a second you have to completely sacrifice everything you understand about the character to go with it and yes it's funny but if i'm laughing at this character as opposed to with the dynamics you've established that's going to get hollow really, really soon. You're running out of things that you can rely on. And there's, there's just, there's too much of that in this finale. It's really, it was really frustrating to me because I was like, yes, this is very funny. You've shown over the past six seasons that you are a very funny show, often one of the funniest and best in a given year of TV. But I really worry that they're cannibalizing their characters and their story plots for easy and, and, disappointingly broad and obvious humor instead of you know maintaining the balancing act albeit a tricky one of of being satire and being political commentary and also being ridiculously humor and also being character work they they have done all of that and they did that all in season five which was run by the same showrunner that is doing season six but not the earlier seasons of the show so it's just so such a dichotomy for me between the first Mandel season and this current season. Um, so I, I was really, I was very frustrated with this finale and I'm glad that at least while I was checking them out, the commenters over at AV club were being rather kind to me. I was expecting to get a lot of hate from people, but mostly I think, uh, they were pretty, pretty chill. They're like, I disagree, but okay, whatever. I can see what she's saying. Or I disagree, but 
let's not be a jerk about it to the to the reviewer, which is nice to see. So thank you, commenters, if any of you are listening. Um, yeah, it's just, what do you do when your show should have ended in season five from like a idealized world scenario where there aren't hundreds of jobs on the line and lots and lots and lots of money? Right. Um, I don't know the answer to that question, aside from sliding over a napkin to you that says, let Meyer be Meyer. <laughs> And, but that sounds like a terrible idea, letting Selena be herself, um, just based on everything. Well, um, and they just made her a much worse version of herself this season. And I kept waiting mm-hmm. for that to become a, a more direct, clear, cop, like something that be, is made text rather than subtext based on the fact that she's out of power now. And so this worse version, this broader, worse version of herself is a response to that. But then they never developed it right. into anything that felt... You know, and, and it's been an off season. They've they've bungled things that they would have nailed in previous seasons where I'm I'm like I'm still laughing. That's the trouble. Yeah. I, it's still very funny, but it's I know that they can do better. Right. Um so I guess my question becomes do you want the show to end after this season? Well you think I, it should. I thought it should have ended last season, but Right. You know, that's I think if they had ended last season, that was a like a perfect finale for them to end on. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I was literally watching the finale last year going, well, this show's this show's over like this. Mm-hmm. This is a serious finale right now. Um, but that being said, I have a much greater respect um, now than I did, you know, as a kid and as an early 20 something um, of the fact that, again, hundreds of people, this is their livelihood. Right. And there's still lots and lots of fans for the show. And there's still a ridiculously talented cast and crew and writers and every and directors and editors and everybody putting the show together. They want to make more. Okay. Maybe it's not the best TV they've ever made. But at a certain point, if they still have a lot of people who want to watch them, it doesn't really matter what I, what I think. Okay. Uh, then recalibrate then. As putting aside the reviews that mm-hmm. you do. How long of a leash are you living, willing to give them next season? Oh, if I wasn't reviewing it, I don't know that I would still be watching it. Okay. Like, I maybe. Pro- I mean, probably, like, I would binge a bunch of them, but I certainly yeah. would not, they would not be appointment viewing for me anymore. It would not be like, okay. oh, I better make sure I watch Veep. It would be, oh, yeah, that's right. When's, when's the last one I caught? I think there might be a few more, and then I'd watch several, and I would laugh, and it would be fun, but it's, it's, it was, it was appointment viewing, like, in a way that if I wasn't reviewing it, I still would have been waiting with bated breath to watch it last season, and this season, after just a few episodes, I was like, ooh, it's still very, again, it's still very funny, but when are they gonna make the show that I know that they can make? Right, right. And I don't have an answer for that. I was just yeah. curious. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's an excellent question. And, I, and if there, again, if there are any v- viewers listening, I would appreciate your thoughts. So reach out. Let me know. Because I've been very puzzled by this. This is the kind of bump you expect when a show like Veep, as specific as Veep, changes showrunners. You don't expect it a season after the new showrunner has established that they are very good at what they do. So yeah. it's it's a little confusing to me. Let's move on, though, to our next show because I need to have something to drink here uh, and let you talk. Talk to me about Wrecked and Cayman. Right. So Cayman involves a little more exploration with the pirate dynamics. Uh, not a huge exploration, but a little bit. Mostly, though, uh, we learned that everyone wanted to know what happened on Game of Thrones, except for the f- people who wanted to know what happened on Ballers. <laughs> the person, let's be honest. The person. And to which we all kind of went, wait, 
father's just having a moment and this is weird because elizabeth 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 ward yeah name drops ballers on samantha b this this week and it was very weird for that to happen on the same week that wreck just went ballers was a great show and then everyone going but game of thrones everyone (laughs) is by the way still going (laughs) is still going and so it, it was the kind of like silly sort of stranded pop culture stuff that the show did well in season one, like with, well, we're going to die. Maybe we should really watch Selma before we die. <laughs> um, but we also have, what was the other one? Dumb and Dumberer? Like two. Yeah. Two or three. Right, it was Dumb and Dumb and it was one of the Dumb and Dumbers, but not the other Dumb and Dumber without Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. Mm-hmm. That they did. It was direct one. Yeah. And they had to figure out which one to watch. This was very much in that wheelhouse and it worked just as well as that particular plot line did mm-hmm. as well. So I really appreciated that, um, even if initially I was kind of like, I don't care about Game of Thrones, guys. I really don't. <laughs> and it's really hard for me to get on board with this plot. But then it was just like, well, I, 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 would, I don't think I'd want to know what would happen because Rescue is so close. It's yeah. so close. It's yeah. just like, it's right there. If we just convince these pirates to take us, we'll be okay. <laughs> they yeah. won't take us, but it'll be okay. But so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the stuff with uh, hunting the... Hunting the um, Alligator. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really funny and gave a little bit more shading to, uh, I can't not remember the woman's name with the glasses. Blonde Um, lady with the glasses. Blonde lady. This is Ginger Gonzaga. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember any of these characters' names, and that's not a great thing, but that's also just because I don't really remember anyone's name on this show. This is not a Um, show that is asking you to remember anybody's name. Though I did remember Karen. Well, they also say it like eight times. That helps. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I enjoyed the little bit that we got with them and with um, the lullaby and the pirate queen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, a, I think this was a much better episode than like the previous two, just that dynamics had been established. So they were able to get kind of back into a wheelhouse, though it did remind me that I wanted to know what happened to that poor woman on the raft <laughs> that yeah she's gonna be back i would assume yeah, um I would assume how did you feel about it well i thought it was good and i was i was so glad they didn't go into a flashback i thought when she's like who even are you like what kind of person i was like waiting for them to cut to a flashback because that was the perfect moment and then they, instead they didn't and they played it for laughs and you know well done well done editors and writers but um yeah i thought like the the game of thrones stuff i thought was terrific and like I loved the transition from what's happening in the world. Like, oh god, well Syria and Ukraine. <laughs> and oh do man, think, don't get me started on Ukraine. Do you think they know about the election? <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, depending on how long they've been on the island. But yeah, um, yeah the uh, that that was really fun. The pivot over to Game of Thrones was was very relatable. Um, and then I also thought the montage of them acting out as someone who yes. has seen the most recent season of Game right. of Thrones. I, to which it, I was just really lost. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was like, I was like oh, yep, there's that thing and then that thing. And they probably just found out about, yep, given the reactions. So I thought that they played that very well. Um, the, 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 the narration and the miming and everything was, mm-hmm. was appropriate and super fun. So, yeah, it, this was more... Um, my speed for the show. This is the the version of Wrecked that I appreciate the most. I would say, um, but yeah, it was it was fun and it was nice that they changed up, like they had the three kind of things. The balance was good between the different sections and yeah. and the dramatic and and not. I I would have liked them to not play up the rapey vibes so much 
with Reese Darby because I don't think that's funny. Um, but they really backpedaled on that at the end. Um, and that's about all I got for Erect. Any thoughts on that? No, let's move up to um, one of our last discussions of the Carmichael show. <laughs> Tears. Tears. Okay, well, we, this was shoot upable, and oh, dear Lord, I'm so glad that they bumped this a week or two um, when from when this was, uh, listeners, this episode was supposed to air, like, the day of or right after the shooting uh, the, uh, of the Republican Congress people at the... Um, the baseball practice and apparently there was another mass shooting that day as well which i didn't even know about yeah uh, ups or something like that yeah yeah america f- yeah yeah i like that this was at gerardo maxine's place yes. i think that was that was key i liked the different dynamic like the way that they talked about the different dynamics uh i thought that it would have been nice for like i think maxine was a little too completely right in the way it was written and, and also played. Um, but uh, I thought the whole thing was 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 very well handled. I liked um, it's Carlos something is the cop, the actor who plays the cop. Who, right. And it's just like super recognizable. <laughs> and he's just like, why are you here as the cop? <laughs> uh, it, it was fun. Though. I liked, of course, uh, Buffy fans and, and Whedonverse fans will know him as one of the very few actors who have were on Buffy, Angel, and Firefly yeah. uh, on all three. He might have been on Dollhouse, too. I don't know. Um, but I was like, ah, oh, it's that guy. That's fun. So I thought that the way that they handled all that was, was uh, you know, it, was, it added a nice, like, it like it was a little comedic pivot later in the episode, which I think they needed. Um, and, yeah, this is the kind of conversation that I'm glad that we have the Carmichael show to to have and in a, in a different way. I like that they found a different way to do it. Um, and, yeah. It's again. It's the Carmichael show being the Carmichael show. Yeah, and well, I mean, Maxine is right, but she's also a person who half jokingly says, "If you cry a little bit, we can do it in the laundry room." And <laughs> so I, I feel like that balances it out a little bit um, because I'm not sure if she was completely joking just then. I don't think she I don't was. think she was. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but their their discussion and particularly like jared carmichael's performance um when he's relating the events of the shooting it was actually it was by far and away to my mind the most serious he's like directly had to been on this show and he played it really really nicely i think mm-hmm. and i really appreciated that and but like a lot of the runners especially in the early going like everyone not realizing bobby was there and then realizing Bobby was there, but then no one finishing any of their sentences in which they were going to declare Gerard their favorite. <laughs> um, and Bobby just going, oh, man, no one likes me. But also just the discussion around social media in relation to this kind of thing was really spot on, I thought, without like overplaying into it. I thought that was a really good way to deal with um, kind of like the weird sort of grief on social media and how that can be exploited in certain ways, but also how it can clearly help authorities in some fashions as well. And so it was just a really nicely balanced episode. I thought there were a lot of really solid laughs in it, but still sort of getting into an idea of a trauma without having to like go whole hog on the trauma. So it it was a really good episode. I thought. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much to, to add. Yeah, it was again. It was balanced. Well, he had, I think for the discussion they wanted to have, he had the right amount of trauma. You know, like he was yeah close, but uh, but adjacent enough to right. everything that was going on. Like 
it was all handled very intelligently and uh right. yeah, it, was, it was a good good episode Right, they don't milk the fact that he could have been the one to got shot had the guy not changed places with him. Yeah. And that was smart. Like, I mean, any other show just, that's like the turning point. That's like the that's like the mid-episode break there for a sitcom, and that becomes the rest of the episode. Yeah. And I, I appreciate their realization that that's not what we needed to do here. And I, I liked that, so I appreciate it. I appreciated it, yeah. Yeah. Well, what wins your week in comedy? Uh, I'll give it to all of playing house, um, mm-hmm. but we'll discuss it more next week. But um, of what we discussed and of what I watched this week, uh, comedy wise, uh, playing house for sure. It was just so nice to have it back. Uh, what about you? Yeah, what your week. I mean, I gotta give it to Ginger Snap over <laughs> at, at playing house because I'm just again, I'm so glad to have the show back. Um, yeah, there are, co- there are a couple other things I watched, but but yeah, playing house. Yay, very glad that they're back. Okay, now we'll take a break and come back with our week in reality. This week in reality, Noel will catch all of us up on Terrace House. And Noel, I wait with an, an eager anticipation. I, I you saw all my tweets. I <laughs> understand none of the context of your tweets, hence my anticipation. Uh, then Noel's going to let us know whether we should watch Battle of the Network Stars, which is back after quite a hiatus with TV sitcoms versus TV kids. Then we'll both chime in with our thoughts on the Great Bitch Baking Show uh, season four, their episode Bread, and we'll round things out with so much. So much to say about the RuPaul's Drag Race finale. Um, so first up is Terrace House, part three. Okay, Noel, I know you have so many feels. How was part three? All right, so part three is heavily dominated by one of the housemates who's named Tashi, who, if you saw my tweets, was the bulk of what my tweets were about. Prominent figure, yes. Prominent figure, and even to the point where the commentators are very much like, the show's become about him. Mm-hmm. and he thinks the show is about him this is a problem <laughs> <laughs> um so tashi is um a actor working in as a waiter in los angeles and he has come to the show to find a love worth dying for <laughs> that's how he describes it yes that's how he describes it and that's okay. how it gets like translated in the subtitles is love worth dying for he's 29 so he's mm-hmm. the oldest person in the house and He's, I think, like the oldest person on the show mm-hmm. that, since I've started watching it. Um, so he, I don't think they're allowed to be over 29. <laughs> um, so he's the oldest person in the house. So he's like the most advanced in like years of everyone else. Mm-hmm. So this entire part, which is about eight, nine episodes or so, is him getting called out on the fact that he goes on dates with every new woman who comes into the house. 
Um, yes, Kate's like kind of ch- smiling to fight back, fight back the <laughs> anger. Oh, it's, but just, also, it's hilarious though. That's like, no, of course he does. Of course he does. And, but also like he gives unsolicited advice to one of the younger guys who's trying to break into acting. And he's just like, why haven't you talked to me about any of this? Like, I'm a resource that you're not using. And it makes me really upset that you're not coming to me to talk about this this path that we're both on for, like, advice and everything. To which everyone, including the commentators, go, but you haven't had much success. <laughs> Alexis, Michelle, what's that you say? Exactly. It's kind of like that. It's like, but you done anything so Mm -hmm. why would he come to you for this kind of thing but mainly it was like the realization that he has been asking out all these women every time they come onto the show or anytime a new woman comes onto the show and it's just like they started like finally comparing notes for some reason um or at least we were starting to see them compare notes and one of the new women who came on um um sherry um comes on and just basically lays into him (laughs) and it's just like um so you've gone out with all three of us you didn't like do a follow-up like explanation with either of these two women yeah and that's kind of weird buddy and -hmm. it's not okay and it gets like he he apologizes but like later on in the episode he's talking with the two other guys in the house and they're just like yeah that that's weird right i mean you shouldn't have to be expected to do that. You can't know your feelings after one date, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And all the women have gone to go, like, watch yeah. a movie downstairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, no. No. So now I'm just, like, hoping Tashi leaves soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because, like, my two other, like, the two other, like, original folks who came in when this season first started, um, Avian and um, Yua, have both left. They left, um... Um, in the middle of this part, or towards the end of this part, rather. And Avian, I loved. Like, she was great. She was very no-nonsense, even though her taste in men, kind of questionable. Um, as you were, just seems a little immature for her to a certain degree. She's 26, he's 19, mm-hmm. and, like, you can kind of tell, like, emotional development sort of thing. A little disconnect. Um, but she did what she wanted to do on the show, which was, like, help her, like, get exposure to launch a swimmer brand that she was going to do no one comes on this show unless they're looking to launch a particular type of thing which is i think fine but Mm -hmm. eh, it's whatever but once they do it they typically leave and so they both left at the same time because they're still in relationship and so now i'm just like oh i really want some other people to leave (laughs) Uh, so we can get some new folks yeah Uh, but i want tashi to leave first (laughs) but he's not going to leave because this is a really plush way to find a love worth dying for but he's just really obnoxious and I want him to go away. And his whole like thing of like, of trying to find this person that he loves, but not really necessarily thinking about the women in the house that he's dating or going on dates with, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's just really annoying and really terrible and really gross. And like, I really appreciate, I wonder why you haven't found a love worth dying for. Hmm. Exactly. Hmm. I wonder why this isn't working out for you. Mm-hmm. And both of like two of the more prominent female commentators because it's a three and three just like the um, house um, commentator divide the house divide is the same as the commentator divide mm-hmm. uh, but the two more vocal female commentators have both just like completely turned on him yeah 
And it's great because one of the things when I first started discussing the show with you is like that parasocial interaction of, because no one responded to these tweets that I was sending. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The reinforcement of like having that sense of watching the show with someone Mm -hmm. through the commentator given response was really important, especially here. Because it was just like, I'm going insane. I need someone else to say that this is the correct response. Yeah. And then like the woman in her 20s and the woman in like her late 30s, early 40s, maybe even mid 40s, they're both just like, this guy is this guy's kind of sleazy, but he's also following the same MO every time. Mm-hmm. And that's really weird. Yeah. And so I'm hoping he goes away soon. But he probably <laughs> won't because it's just such an easy way to meet women. Because yes. they just keep coming to the house. That does not hurt. <laughs> that does, does not make it harder. That's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, what about a Battle of the Network stars? Would they benefit from a similar commentary panel? Uh, they would benefit from an audience watching these celebrities do this shit. Oh. Um, yeah, because it's really super dead energy-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one had a couple of um, like old television stars. So like Dave Coulier, mm-hmm. uh, Bronson Pinchot from... Um, Perfect Strangers. Perfect Strangers. Balky. Yeah. There's like five Dance of Joy jokes. <laughs> and they were over by the second one. <laughs> um and then uh, some of the um, television kids, so one of the kids from Modern Family, one of the kids from the Goldbergs, and then mm-hmm. uh, one of the women from Facts of Life. Um, and so, like, a decent mix of people. And that's what they're going to be doing this season is, like, a mix of, like, old and young type mm-hmm. of folks. That seems um, like a good call. Which is a good call to make because otherwise you wouldn't get enough participant from current network people to come on the show. Yeah. Um, but... It's just super low energy. It's kind of fun to watch these folks do various activities. Like Joey Lawrence is apparently really bad at basketball <laughs> and also throwing a softball. Who knew? Um, but Dave Coulier, five, five out of 25 shots on basketball, kicking Joey Lawrence's butt from the free throw line. Yeah. And Kate's just making a face of like, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a super low energy show. It would benefit from like a studio audience um, to watch it and respond to everything that's happening. But there's not a big incentive to keep up with this, I think. Yeah, well, everything you're saying makes it sound like they did... It's like, you shouldn't be less energy, lower energy than Hollywood Game Night when they're right. literally doing sports things. Like, they're physically moving around, and, like, it, it should be higher energy than a game right. night. And it's not like there's not room. Like, they're filming this at uh, Pepperdine. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's plenty of space for like, and you see empty bleachers and like the the swimming stuff or it's very like, strange. The, right, there's plenty of room for people to come and watch this, which is I'm like eighty percent positive there was a live audience watching these celebrities in the original versions. Yeah, and so it's yeah. Just like, th- that there isn't an audience here just seems really dumb. Yeah. So and like a there's very not, distinct deliberate choice and I don't understand what the yeah, positive I, would be of that. I don't understand it either. So it's a really low key sort of thing and I would not recommend seeking this out. I was I was pretty disappointed. Fair enough. I was enough. looking forward to um, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well because it could be a lot of fun, but no, yeah. it does not sound like it is. A show that we both think though is a lot of fun is The Great British Baking Show and you've said before Noel that your favorite episode is always bread. So, I mean, there's no, there's no lion, obviously, but. Right. And uh, there will never, ever be another lion. 
So how did the, how how did bread shape up for you? Do you have any like new contenders or favorites? Did you enjoy the Dampfnudel? Yeah. So yeah, thank you for reminding me of the Dampfnudel because I want all the Dampfnudels. Um, because those look don't those have you ever had a Dampfnudel? I haven't had one, so. No, no, I have not. But I did like that that the the woman who won was basically like, I think I won because I'm the oldest, so I've made things like this the most. It's kind of an old timey thing. I thought that yeah. was it was pretty charming. Yeah, I thought that was charming too. But yeah, I just I thought it was a really fun little technical challenge. And but I also like anything steamed. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like I am here for a steamed bread topped with jam. Yes, please and thank you. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I thought it was just kind of a delicious sort of episode insofar as the one thing Paul complains about more than anything, apart from soggy bottoms, yeah, is why did you make chocolate? You can't tell if chocolate's done. Yeah. And then it's just like, guys, make a chocolate loaf. And it's just like, <laughs> you sons of bitches. Um, so no, I really enjoyed the fact that there was a chocolate loaf that people had to make and mm-hmm. try to figure out if it was done. And surprise! Yep. None of them were done. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's so much raw bread in this episode, Kate. <laughs> so much raw, raw bread. So, yeah, so that was fine. Um, I wasn't, like, super impressed by any of the particular showstoppers. Um, yeah. Tom's Nordic god thing didn't really wow me in any way, shape, or form. I just kind of went, so you did it in the shape of a hammer. That's 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 a thing, I, I guess. It's a shape. I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's a sh- it looks like a T more than a hammer, but good for you. Is what I could muster up. So I, I while bread is typically my favorite and typically also sort of a episode that tends to differentiate, as they even acknowledged on this episode, it's just mm-hmm. like this is where we this is where we find out things. Yeah. I just kind of went, I don't know that I left this feeling any more or less confident about anyone, which was a very weird way to end a bread episode. So hopefully batter, which mm-hmm. is like this is their first time doing a batter episode. Is there? Like. It's and when I was first watching this, I was very excited. At the, I was like, yeah, we've never done batter. Ooh, I yeah. think that's an excellent choice. And yeah, yeah. Well, so I, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see what batter turns out. Um, so do you have any thoughts that you can recall? Did you, are you rewatching this with me? Or oh yeah, just, like, no, I rewatched this, this one so that we could okay. discuss it. Um, okay. and I thought you would, you probably appreciated the various Candace jokes. So she's like, she's like, where Marilyn Sue? I'm feeding you, feeding you lines right here. They're probably like, it's too easy. It's too easy, honey. We need to go somewhere else. Cause you got, we got to work for it. Um, I thought that the, yeah, it was an underwhelming episode because especially the way that in previous seasons of Bake Off, really kind of each season has raised the bar. And so far, at least for, for my recollection and from the episodes I have rewatched, that's not happening this season yet. So I keep waiting for something to click in and to get more interesting, um, or someone to really like, because sometimes you get the chance, like last season with the, the, the bread lion, that's like insane, like that guy was not going to win the show, but he's no. a badass at bread. And, and yeah. so I, you keep waiting for someone to have that week, that breakthrough week where you can, where they're able to show to an audience at home why they're there because we can't yeah. taste the food. Um, right. So like you believe that they're there because for, for good reason, because the show has earned your trust and because 
they're the presenters and also the judges are very good at at externalizing their experience trying the food and everything they they do a good job with that but i keep waiting to be like floored by something and and it didn't happen in bread and you're right that usually there's at least something in bread that triggers that right and even like the showstoppers i was just sort of like even like putting aside the hammer she's like that arc doesn't look anything like an arc, and it deserves to be made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> Those animals don't look like animals. Yeah. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we will have thoughts on batter next week. But until then, we got to talk Drag Race because it was amazing. Okay. Um, so I liked it, in case you couldn't okay. tell. Oh, uh, good. Because I, I wasn't sure which way you were leaning with yeah. so much to talk about. Um, yeah. I was being so subtle there. Yeah. Um, I have many thoughts on the change in structure on mm-hmm. the the all lip sync finale and on the decision to shuttle the rest of the queens kind of off to the side. Um, but uh, why don't you kick things off with, as someone who was tiring more of the show than, than me, I've, apparently my right. patience for this particular reality show is just like, there's no end. Um, you were, But you were ready, getting ready for a break. Did this... Right. How was this as a capper to the season? Did it re-energize your affection for the show? Or did you're like, okay, finale, decent finale, or didn't like the finale, glad it's over time for a break? I wasn't, like, super into the finale. Okay. Um, I think a lot of that was the editing. Just, like, when you're going to do give me, when you're going to give me three lip syncs all in a row, I need to actually see some shit. (laughs) And the shot selection, I know that they're in an unfamiliar, they're in a stage seating type of thing. So they're in a theater. So, I mean, your camera placement is going to be really limited. But just even in, like, the editing choices, I never really felt like I got, like, a really rhythm on anyone's performance. Which is kind of a problem when I'm trying to decide, well, whose lip sync did I really like in this? And my answer in all of these was always, I'm not sure. Because I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. was basically my response to all of these. I was just like, I don't know who's I like more. Um, and that was a problem. As someone who was like, had been very consistently rooting for Sasha all season and then going, oh, she won. Okay. I feel good about being right but <laughs> and supporting the winner. But mm-hmm. I was also kind of like, I'd, but she won for rose petals in her gloves. I don't, I, that was like my takeaway. It was like, mm-hmm. she won for rose petals in her reveals. And I kind of went, I don't know that that's a good enough thing to win for, was how I responded to everything. Mm -hmm. So I I was kind of just like flummoxed, basically, by the finale. It was just kind of very low-key for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel particularly like super gung-ho about anything. Uh, So I'm very excited about a break. But you liked it so much more than I did. (laughs) Yeah, way more. Way more. let's Let's hear about why you liked it. Let's hear about why you liked it. Well, first of all, I think it was very key that they centered the finale around lip sync because they right. needed to nip that shit in the bud. What, what we saw happening over the entire season where there was like maybe one, maybe two, like even just very good lip syncs. I don't think there were any great lip syncs this season, but it was, yeah. it was per, like perfunctory. Like, and there were several terrible lip syncs and, and then several where they didn't even try. So they, yeah. to structure the finale around lip syncs was to say, 
bitches better be ready to lip sync. You know, if you're going to come on the show, that's a big part of it. And who knows, when you get to the finale, maybe I'll make you lip sync in order to win. So don't just think you'll get by on comedy or fashion or this. You also, this is part of what you're signing up for. So I thought that that was very smart um, for yeah. the for the, the longevity of the show as well. And, the you know, as a message to the other queens, sort of like what's going to happen with Brexit. It's like, oh, you want to leave? Okay, let's make sure everybody else here learns a lesson. Um, now, with the specific, and, and I think because they were doing that, that forced them to sort of uh, have all the other queens not get, like, their moment in the finale like they have in the past. But I yeah. think that that worked better. And because the the, the reunion episode was so fun, right. it worked. Um, the, the one-on-one talks, I thought, worked well. I thought the looks were fantastic. All the different, yes. like... Yeah, outfits and everything, and the hair and makeup too. Um, and that's interesting to me that the the lip syncs didn't really grab you the way that that strongly because for me they definitely did. I thought that Trinity was bringing it in the first, but then she peaked too soon, and it was too much of the same. Whereas Peppermint crafted more of a narrative and did yeah. this awesome reveal to a really unfortunate. Like if it had just been short. You know, shorter, not like it was like you went from the cuter dress to the less cute dress. That's never how a reveal should work, Peppermint. <laughs> <laughs> and like the hair, the wig, but the wig I thought worked really well because, you know, as anyone who's watched any amount of uh, TV knows, what's the thing that TV characters do after a significant breakup? Chop off their hair. Right? Yeah. So, like, I thought that that was... And, and, she, and, and Peppermint was fierce. She looked fierce with that. Especially at the end, close-up, when they did that, like, close-up of her, she was, like, adjusting her hair or whatever. I was like, boom! You nailed it. The, it was terrific. Because it was a little unsold, but then that close-up, she was, like, serving it to the camera. But I did think that the... the I kept waiting for her to do a sec, another pull-off and get rid of that really... Because right. the style of the skirt, the second skirt, did not match the song at all. But... Mm-hmm. It was a flawless reveal, and I will give her that. The timing and the delivery. So I was I was down with Peppermint Winnie, and it was such an upset that, that for me, it really energized that the, the, the first part of the finale. Then mm-hmm. Sasha and Shay, I thought that Shay kind of let Sasha have it. Yeah. You know, like, if, if I think, and Sasha hasn't been, gr- sorry, Shay hasn't been great at lip syncs all season. She's been, like, serviceable at lip syncs. Um, and the rose petal thing I thought was, was really lovely and fit the song really nicely. I thought she timed it very well. I thought, I thought Sasha emoted very well. And again, sort of like Peppermint did a distinct narrative throughout and then going to the reveal of the rose petals under the wig, which just think about the specifics of that for a moment. Right. How do you just technically get that to work where you're not like, cause it's hot up there. How are you not like sweating and then the rose petals are all like sticky and like even just on a technical level I can appreciate that but also because it is her signature look and so I at first was like oh it's so cool that she's going to do lip sync with a wig because she like never does that. That's really neat and I like to see her stretching and then she's like ah ha ha reveal. It's part of the progression to who I am now. I'm telling a whole story with this and so for me that really worked. Um, 
And if if Shay had been, and this is something that they talked about on the Pop Style Opinion Fest, which is, of course, the Tom and Lorenzo podcast, which is fabulous. Anybody who enjoys um, Drag Race should go check it out uh, and, and, and listen to that podcast. <laughs> As if any of anybody who listens to that, like us, isn't already listening to them. But Right. <laughs> just in case. Uh, but I thought that it was really effective. Like, like if if she had been, because she, we saw in the, in like a, a, two episodes ago, she can do like a triple or quadruple pirouette and like, and she didn't do any of that. It's like, yeah. you're the, you're the queen who can dance, who's still there. And it's Whitney Houston. Why aren't you dancing? Come on. So for me, that the combination of the emotional journey that Sasha took people on and Shay just getting stuck and not delivering what we know that she can and not surprising us with things we didn't know that she could could do um made that out a clear winner to me and then in the end just design wise how did you not like to go like that 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 white look from sasha with the bright bright red lips and the the dig at valentina right (laughs) with the mask that then comes off and she's just like she's not moving she knows she can't really dance so instead she's just like i'm gonna stand there and just point at my lips you know like i thought that that was so smart and it was so dramatic and when you, like, it played to Sasha's strengths in a really smart way. So I was super invested, and I thought Peppermint did a good job, but I think that Sasha just, like, as soon as you saw the look, Sasha came out and you're like, well, she's going to win. <laughs> no, I had the same thought that she was going to win as soon as, like, that breakaway veil mm-hmm. thing that yeah. she had, or alien veil, I think is probably the best way to describe it. Given I've, I've heard spikes. Mouth of Sauron, you know. Also good choice, um, given the spikes on the dress. Mm -hmm. um, It was really clear, like, she knew what she was going to do with this. And Mm -hmm. it worked really well. It's just, I just, I couldn't, the degree that you're finding all these layers in it, I couldn't, like, get past, like, the editing Mm -hmm. of these things to find that stuff. Even if, like, in hindsight, like, your description of everything, especially regarding Sasha's, journey i think is a little of a stretch for me anyway (laughs) yeah but it because it doesn't really tie in with like why there are rose and rose petals in her gloves Mm -hmm. um it it doesn't tie together um so i appreciate it but i also just kind of can't jump on board with it either okay yeah i just i i really struggled to like grab any any latch onto anything um which it's just really frustrating considering I was like really rooting for Sasha. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I'm very glad that you responded to it much better than I did <laughs> and were really like engaged by it. Whereas mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, okay, yay. Kind of thing. I think I yeah. just wanted, I, I, I think I just wanted more than just three lip syncs, but I mm-hmm. understand the necessity branding wise mm-hmm. to be like, no, no, we need lip syncs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it just, I, I don't think that just lip syncs decided things. I think, like, everything, like, factored everything in. Pl- factored yeah. in, but it, when the episode puts the lip syncs so forward like that, that's the thing I have to, like, kind of respond to and just, like, how it was all cobbled together. Mm. I just kept seeing seams, and you don't want to see seams. Yeah. <laughs> that's the whole, like, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Fair enough. That is interesting. I find it it's, we we had such a similar viewing experience for not all, but a lot of the season, 
And then, yeah. then like totally different viewing experiences for the finale. But um, I look forward to the whichever of these queens ends up on All Stars the next time they do it. Hopefully yeah. not too soon. Like just like yeah. give it a few years, you know. Yeah. But um, but I think that I think whoever comes back for All Stars will be all the hungrier and will have learned. These queens are smart enough; they will have learned from this experience, and they yeah. will have more to offer. So I look forward to whatever whatever the next season brings. Um, what wins your week in reality? just from a sheer visceral response and emotional reaction uh-huh. um it's terrace house part three yeah even though i didn't really like a lot of it i clearly <laughs> had strong feelings about all of it because i don't live tweet very much anymore yeah but i live tweeted this um so terrace house wins for me i think i know what wins for you but i'll ask anyway what won your week in reality kate obviously uh, <laughs> drag race it was amazing but um i you know okay that's fine mm-hmm. not everybody has to like everything that i like that's cool um <laughs> but that's what the internet's about kate is making people like what you like yeah, and shaming and it, people who don't and ignoring anyone who doesn't just being safe in a bubble that can never be affected mm-hmm. by anything else that's totally how the world works not at all a fantasy anyways i really enjoyed the fantasy of Drag Race this week, and I will miss the show when it's gone, even if it is absolutely 100% time for a break. Um, Speaking of breaks, let's take a break, and we'll come back with our week in genre and drama. Every night I hope and pray A dream lover will come my way A girl will hold in my arms And know the magic of her charms cause I want a girl to call my own I want a dream lover so I don't have to dream alone dream lover where are you with a love oh so true and the hand that I can hold feel you near as I grow This week in genre and drama, we're going to kick things off with a little talk about Glow Season 1 on Netflix. Noel has seen the whole season. I've seen the first episode. Thank you for bearing with me, Noel. Um, it was... it was you can't say anything. It, well, yeah, but it was between watch all the other shows or watch Glow. And I thought you'd rather have me able to talk about the other shows. So that's what I did. That's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then we'll talk iZombie, which had its season finale, Looking for Mr. Goodbrain Part 2. Noel will catch us up with Queen Sugar, What Do I Care for Morning, and then we'll round things out with Winona Earp. Gonna get you good. So first up is Glow. Uh, quickly, I will say that I really enjoyed the one and a half episodes that I was able to watch. I look forward to watching more. And uh, I don't have much more to contribute other than the aesthetics are all terrific and I'm so glad that the show doesn't seem to be structured so much to be like let's leer at lady wrestlers there's more of that than i would like but uh it's less about let's leer at lady wrestlers and it's more like let's look at this very strange subculture a very specific subculture from a very specific time and uh, have some fun with it so uh, what did you think of glow and how quickly do i need to watch the rest of the season as in uh can i finish it tomorrow and that's okay (laughs) 
finishes tomorrow and that's okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I really liked it. I think it's a really solid show. It doesn't like really set my world on fire or mm-hmm. anything. But any show that's got like Alison Brie mm-hmm. and has uh, Betty Gilpin is already like streets ahead mm-hmm. um, of most other shows. But I no, so there's a really solid balance between comedy and drama in uh, Glow. Um, the wisest decision they make is being 30 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a lifesaver of a plot device as a patience device. All of it is like no episode I think is more than like 35, 37 minutes, uh, which is great. Um, and I don't want to give too much away. Uh, there's, you've got some fun surprises, um, including like, uh, Chris Lowell, um, shows okay. up and he's very good. Um, the show lightly investigates some of the racism that's built into wrestling in the 1980s um without enough pushback so i'm hoping for more of that in season two especially with uh two of the women's uh personas that they are forced to adopt um and (laughs) their discomfort with that is acknowledged but never fully played in a meaningful way in this season because we have to deal with two ladies um, who are not in a good place with one another, um, being Brie and Gilpin's characters. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I really like the show. I think there's some really good stuff. Alison Brie, I think, is deeply, deeply, deeply committed to this show insofar as the insane things that her character has to do for basically, like, the last tale of the episode, tale of the season, Kate, she's in a Russian accent for most of the most of the season. <laughs> and it's amazing. Um, she's she's just, she's super into this show, and I I really, really enjoy it. So I, I'm, I look forward to hearing what you feel about it um, later, and we can maybe discuss it again next week after you've watched everything. Yeah. But uh, there's some really good stuff. I think my only big thing with the show is I don't, and I should preface this by saying that I have had no exposure to him prior to this, really. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand Mark Marin. Okay. And so, like, I've never listened to his podcast. I know, like, very little about him. But nothing that he's doing in this is really working for me or feels particularly unique. And I kept going, I don't understand why you're here when I could have gotten maybe an actor who could do something very different with this kind of sleazeball, washed-up cult director that I haven't felt like I've seen a gazillion times already. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like, my big problem. is like, he's kind of still a driving force. His character is still a driving force within a lot of the show's beats. And I never feel anything particularly fresh or new with any of this, whereas the rest of the show feels pretty good to me. But him, I'm just, like, going... Uh, is he in this scene? Okay, I can get through this because he's competent, but I don't want competent, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like something new and fresh with this particular type of, this particular character type. And I don't get that from him, but I also don't know him well enough to go anything about this. So this is really my first exposure to Marin in any significant capacity, beyond knowing that Obama was on his podcast. <laughs> it's interesting because he's getting a lot of praise um for his performance here and also for the casting of him and i was watching the first episode and and a half or two-thirds <laughs> well she'll talk about it in a moment um and going like okay he's doing the Marin thing like he's well cast it fits he's well cast in this role but like people were talking about how amazing he is that must happen later in the season 
not so much. I guess. I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I clearly I, it, not it because feels... if it was, you would be responding to it. Right. It, it just all feels very even. Like, it all feels very sane to me throughout. Mm-hmm. I even towards the end where there's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. I just kind of go. His response to this is very a thing, and I'm just like, I don't. I don't. I don't respond to this performance in any way, shape, or form. Okay. And uh, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. I, I respond more to Rich Summer showing up yeah. for three-ish, ep- three, four episodes all told across the season and going, this is, this, I, I can understand this. Rich Summer does good sleaze mm-hmm. in a very quiet sort of way, which has always been kind of his thing, even as Harry Crane. Mm-hmm. It was Harry Crane, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, w- I w- was wanting to make sure I didn't get the last name wrong. I knew I had the first <laughs> name right. Um, so it all kind of works here. Uh, but that I understood better than... Given that Summer is a much more supporting guest character than Meriden, who's in every episode. And I just... I, I just wanted something different. And I never really responded to him in any way, shape, or form that I even responded to some of the other women who have significantly less prominent parts in the show. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So. Uh, and the, re- the, the reason I mentioned the two thirds of the episode that I've seen is that um, when you said that the episodes are all about half an hour, I was like, what? and I had to go check the times and you're absolutely right. Um, this felt, I, when I was watching this, it felt like an hour long show in a good way. Yeah. Which in a way, that, so I was, hence my surprise. And that explains why I was able to watch more a significant <laughs> chunk of the next episode. I was like, oh, I thought I wasn't going to have enough time for that. Um, but uh, because of the way it's paced and structured, and this, yeah. uh, you know, like, and it doesn't, because it doesn't have the feel of um, of a half hour show being like, but we're really a drama, but we're a comedy for reals. But like, we want you to think that we're serious, so we're going to be dramatic. Like, it doesn't have that BS that so many uh, serious half hour shows can get wrapped up in. Um, and the, the, it also doesn't have the fat that comes with a show being an hour that should really be four. So I was like, it felt like it was like 40, 45 minutes. Um, so that's, that's, so that's interesting. Uh, and I'll be thinking about that more, much more specifically as I watch the rest of the season, it makes the fact that I haven't seen more of it all the more egregious. Um, listeners, it was a very, very busy work week. I look forward to... You, you'll see, Noel, the, 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 the notes that we have are gonna just, like... My initials are gonna be everywhere because I'm gonna have two days off in a row. It's very exciting for me. Um, <laughs> well, then I'm not gonna watch anything next week. Yeah, well... I'm just gonna take next week off. Turnabout is fair play, certainly. <laughs> um, but but anyways, the the that's such, a, such an interesting choice to, you know, to not be a comedy but to do this runtime like i have have any of the other series like dramas really done that on netflix yet i kind of wondered about your choice about putting this in drama too because i feel like it's very straddling the two Uh uh-huh in a way like i i think of the show as much funnier than dramatic Uh uh-huh um but i also it was too hot in my office to argue with you about it (laughs) (laughs) well in the based on just the first episode it's a dramatic first episode so that's yeah. my lack of viewing speaking yeah well and no i think the first couple episodes are much more dramatic than they are funny but i think the show gets the show as soon as Bree just starts doing a russian accent for the entire episode yeah. um it becomes much more comedically driven um but there's still there's still good stuff to be had across mm-hmm. it 
So I'm eager for you to watch the rest of this. And now just think about how quickly you can watch the rest of this. I Well, yes, and obviously, <laughs> yeah, if I have not finished it by later this evening or certainly the beginning of tomorrow, then you'll need to come check for a doppelganger or something. Because uh, I certainly am <laughs> looking for I mean... I just I've watched all of most all of Agents of Shield and there's a whole doppelganger android arc. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing I'll mention is that I feel like we have to some extent the ability to go like we knew she was awesome back when she was on Elementary Guys, but it's so awesome to see uh, Gilping getting so much so much great stuff to do. Did I didn't know she was on Nurse Jackie for so long. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I didn't watch I, Nurse Jackie. So. I didn't watch Nurse Jackie either. So it's kind of like she was on it for, I want to say, like two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also kind of go like while I was watching Glow, I kind of went, oh, this is why we lost her in elementary. Yeah. Kind of okay with that. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, speaking of, did you, she did a really nice personal essay about I was going to ask this. you. Did you, re- did you read that? I haven't had a chance yet. It's super good. You need to read it. Okay. It's in Vanity Fair, I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. It's in Vanity Fair or Cosmo. I can't remember which. Yeah. But it's it's very, very good. And I really enjoyed it. I really liked her description of how super comfortable she was on the set while she was filming this. Mm-hmm. And um, also just like a little bit about like her personal journey as an actor is in there. But it's a really, really good essay. I encourage you to seek it out. And we'll um, I'll send you the link and we can pop it in the show notes. Absolutely. It's uh, really good. Now we have we were very positive here on Glow. Um, right? Are we going to be similarly? Uh, are we on the same page with this uh, zombie finale? Looking for Mister Goodbrain, or are we about to fight? Because there's some good stuff in here, and then there's some bullshit. So, how do you feel <gasps> uh, about this finale? Oh, um, I'm kind of I'm of like two weird minds about this finale because a lot of what is implied in this finale is what I thought this season was going to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, like, zombie stuff, like, much more coming to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Based on how season two ended. And I was really concerned with the show's expanded scope. Mm-hmm. I'm still concerned with this idea of Seattle basically declaring independence from the United States. Mm-hmm. But also blackmailing in the United States, but also becoming a haven for the terminally ill... But all, all this other stuff that gets implied by this finale of zombies being out in force and out in f- focus and also just like the a private military contractor providing brains to the zombie population of Seattle. All this sort of stuff that is like Rob Thomas is just like, oh, no, we've been thinking about this for a while and we've got a beat on this. And I just kind of go, I don't know if you do have a beat on this. And your description for some of this doesn't make me more confident that you have a beat on this. But I guess we'll see is kind of how I'm feeling about it because I feel like so much of the first half of the season was just a thing that happened Mm -hmm. as opposed to a structured part of a thing of a season of getting us back to a status quo, particularly with Blaine, um, that this feels very much like the first half of season four as opposed to the back half of season three. And that creates like weird structural and weird sort of narrative expectations for me to where I'm just like, I kind of need to see the rest of season four before I can tell you how I feel about this season three finale. And I, but that to me is also a sign of not a very successful finale. When I go, 
I kind of need to see like four episodes of your next season before I decide how this works. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing. Um, yeah. So I think I'm probably better-ish on it than you were, even if I'm also sort of like, I don't like the fact that Dale's a zombie. I don't like the fact that we've gone from Major is a human to now a zombie to now like fully committed to being a zombie mercenary to just how all of this is going to work character-wise and how very weirdly background Blaine is in the penultimate episode, but still even in this episode. And I, I just, I, I didn't work as well as I wanted to as much as I really loved the final scene. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of discuss the final scene a little bit um, after we get your overall thoughts, which I will now ask you for, and I'm eager to hear them. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> um, everything else in the episode. Okay, here, here's the stuff that I liked. The final scene okay. is terrific. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's we're gonna have lots of praise for it soon. Yeah. Um, the uh, coming clean with Dale works uh, works well, uh, yeah. and having that again, fewer secrets is better. Um, the direct parallel to the mayor getting the news is reading the story a bit on the nose, but fair enough. Yeah. Um, the, the stuff with the vaccine and the flu shot and all of that, very telegraphed, very straightforward, but you know, whatever, fair enough, it works. Uh, Jason Doring's performance is just bad in this. Yeah. He's much, much better in the previous episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of it is like, they've acknowledged, and I think a lot of this is also just from a writing standpoint, is that they don't know who Chase is. And during, as much as I like him on Veronica Mars, Logan's not a particular, and this may be sacrilegious, he's not a particularly deep character. Um, and that vein of charming bad boy is what Doring does very, very well. There's not a whole lot to chase, and a lot of that has to... I'm chalking a lot of that up to the fact that Doring basically came into the show to do them a favor, because mm-hmm. the woman who played um, Graves, the mm-hmm. woman, female Graves, got a new show and had to leave to mm-hmm. film it. So he came in basically doing them a solid, and they just kind of had to make this kind of whole cloth. Um, so I'm hoping, like, they've confirmed that he'll be back for season four, that they figure out, like, a Something for him to do, but he's super flat. There's nothing to this performance. And I, when he's being charming in the hotel in the previous episode, he's really, really good. But that's what he does well. Mm-hmm. When I have to, like, sort of buy this kind of put-upon leader, I don't buy it at all. He's just, he's wooden, and he's monologuing, and there's no sense of any intern, in, internal emotion like i don't need him to be charming bad boy i I think he does a lot really well on veronica mars Mm -hmm. um and i've seen him you know he's he he was good in the last episode he's Mm -hmm. he was at least interesting for much of the time that he was on the show and then he's just bad he's just bad in this like like even just the 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 monologue to the camera i was like are you going for detached robot here like, the, some of the words feel kind of mumbly, and, like, I feel like he would be trying harder. Like, Chase would be... Yeah. Com- but, like, and, and maybe they're trying to show that he's been forced into this, and this wasn't his plan, and he's making, like... Yes, I can I can justify some elements of it, but it was just bad, so that didn't help. Yeah. But you're listing off these different, you know, your reaction to, to it, and you took way too long to get to the issue here. 
And that's the stuff with Major is fucking bullshit. It's total bullshit. I don't buy it for a second. If they wanted to have him emotional to the point where he says, make me a zombie again. Okay. I mean, I still don't quite buy it, but whatever. Then they should have had the scratch not work. Because then you get to have that moment, you get to have him make that choice, and then you're doing something more interesting. I do not for a second believe him shooting people. Yeah. That I is not, either. that's not major. Yeah. No, it's not. It's, this is a guy, and like, it's one of those things where his arc to where he finds himself at the end of season one mm-hmm. um, makes sense. Because he's like been beaten up and pushed and pushed around a lot in season one. So that all kind of made sense. But no, this idea that he's about to even look semi, he looks conflicted, but he's he's still going to open fire on these folks. Yeah. Uh, And it's just like, I don't don't buy that idea. That's not who Major is, even after being outed as a chaos killer, being abused on social media um, by that weird woman, Shauna. Mm -hmm. Um, All that stuff. I just, I don't buy into it. And this idea, or I don't know how you can justify it even to like, well, you the can't. girl he, like, really blew up. No, that doesn't work. His friends blew up. No. His, a Ravi, zombie killed his friends. Right. But Liv and, Liv and Ravi are right here, Major. Yeah. You have a support system. Yeah. It's just, I, it's bad. It's just bad writing. I don't know how they're going to, I don't know that they can bring the character back from this. Um, yeah. Buckley's very good, so he'll do yeah. a lot to help that. But I just don't. Like it, that was, I was just like yelling no at my TV. <laughs> I was like, no, this isn't happening. This is not, this is not in character. And this is, this is character suicide kind of like, this is, you've killed your character. This is not the same person anymore. And if you try to pretend that he is so that you can have him go off into the sunset with Liv eventually, I'd, I'd call bullshit on you. Um, so that was a really, really big problem for me with this finale. And it felt like it was so wrapped around trying to get him to that point. And that's why it's like, if they want to do the scratch thing and then have it not work. And then that, that is new implications. Like this idea that we found a cure and it just worked and there's no side effects and there's no threat of it undoing. And all this stuff was too pat anyways, but then now to, and then to be like, Oh, and you can just undo it again. Like that doesn't make any sense. First of all, it should like need to mutate or something to be more interesting. <laughs> and if they had done the scratch, not, working but him being willing to commit to that level then you can have him join as a human and that if that that brings a whole other set of issues to the table for the next season that they could play with where right. it's like well those are all zombies oh but that's a human and what does that mean right. for the you know it becomes a really good pr thing for the yeah. city well it just it's just like it's so much more interesting than him as true believer i guess okay killing people and like ah, just like the whole thing it just 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 stupid and 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 like obviously the like they just had their a bunch of their soldiers blowed up they need more people on their team he doesn't need to be a zombie for him to be on their team right but also you have to like think about the fact that they can they have like a whole thing of they have a whole pool of people to recruit from now yeah um considering all the folks who got the tainted uh flu vaccine Flu, well, it's not a flu flu vaccine, but yeah. your virus vaccine. Yeah. Um, that they have this whole pool to choose from, plus the people who were already infected with it that they're scratching to save. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, you've got a whole pool of folks to replenish those ranks with. Yeah. So I don't think that that's where their concern is. Yeah. Um, but it maybe should have been. <laughs> I, I, I also think that the government would just, like the federal government would show up and just shoot everybody in the brain. Like, 
Yeah. That's what I think would happen. Like, I don't, they didn't do enough to, to make this, to make me buy that or certainly round up, round them up and stick them in a cage, you know, like, <laughs> I don't think that this would work. And I think the show wanting us to, to buy it, if they hadn't but, also done the, 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 the character thing with major, maybe I could have gone with them more, but then it just flipped a switch in my brain. And I was like, no. Zombies with guns though. I mean, that's like every horror movie nightmare is zombie with guns. <laughs> should we talk about how wonderful that last scene was we should talk about how lovely that last scene was um including even like the little bit that happens after they fade to black mm-hmm. and which is just is so perfect mm-hmm. but no this this that scene is probably my favorite part of the finale i think um yeah. as we have live we have ravi asking live to scratch him um to test like an immunization uh that he's developed uh against the zombie virus as opposed to a cure Mm-hmm. And it's just very, it's like super touching because like, this is the first time that they've really like s- acknowledged the fact that they like really care about one another mm-hmm. in a way that they haven't before uh, as apart from, well, you, you were just a really super interesting guinea pig mm-hmm. and a project, but. Uh, and a you friend, also, but. And co-worker. a friend, but coworker. I mean, we were work friends and we kind of hung out. And mm-hmm. also I really wanted to bang your best friend but <laughs> type of thing. But it, the scene really, I unlike with it, like the major stuff, I kind of bought the fact that everything that sort of had happened across three seasons here, yeah, led up to them saying "I love you," and yeah. like it being like super platonic and feeling really earned, but then also immediately undercut by Ravi groaning like a zombie from a movie <laughs> and Liv saying "Don't be a dick," and it's just like. <laughs> That's really funny, but all, like all of it worked like as a through line. It was just a really perfect little scene. Yeah, well, and again, it showed such a knowledge of their characters. The performances yeah. were terrific from both of them, and and it, like you said, it was a culmination of everything we'd seen them experience, and and just the earnestness and the sincerity of of I love you. Yeah, I love you yeah. too. Uh, it, it's the kind of thing the show doesn't do very much, which is right. what makes it all the more effective and it yeah it it was it was terrific it was exactly the kind of thing that they got wrong with major um i i also uh i shouldn't just okay stick on positives stick on that last scene what do you think they're gonna do with that is is because that's the thing i was watching like if this was a series finale i think that works really well there needs to be an answer next season and i think the answer is that it has to work otherwise you have too many zombies yeah, well, A, we're going to find out, like, if it works, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, Thomas has already been like, no, 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 we're going to find out immediately. I know we joked about the cure. I'm the only one that knows where the cure is. Mm-hmm. But we find out about this really, really quickly. And, mm-hmm. but yes, the answer is yes. You don't, you can't have too many zombies yeah. on the show when you have a whole city of zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, however, they're going to do the justice justice system in Seattle thing, which he's already described. Um but yeah, sure. So, That's how it would work. Okay. Right. Sorry, I'm being bitchy. <laughs> well, I mean, I can, <laughs> I can tell you how it's going to work. It's just like everyone gets paired with zombie visioner mm-hmm. on the police force. Yeah. So Clive, Clive's, Clive's success rate is just going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I also kind of go, well, you figured out like pairing for the justice system because apparently like Chase, the Fillmore Graves folks, will investigate any zombie deaths, but mm-hmm. any human deaths, the regular police force will investigate. But I immediately go, but I don't understand why you would have a jury then, because visions. Um, 
Right. Kate's shaking her head. It's just stupid, guys. It's stupid. Um, So that scene is perfectly okay and wonderful, and it made me happy. And, and I do applaud them shape, shaking up their dynamic. I, I I really appreciate that. I like them just going to this bold new world of people know about zombies and Liv is, you know, back to her normal look. And that means something very different now. And like, and, and of course that means that all her coworkers at the, at the police station are going like, oh, that's what's been going on. And that's um, why Clive's been solving all these cases. <laughs> yeah, and and well, and also, I wonder if this will if they'll take advantage of the opportunity to bring back Liv's family now. No, I hope that they do. Just no. for like an episode. No, you don't yeah. think so? No, they're gone. <laughs> oh, I would love now that they understand they, why she didn't give a they transfusion don't even to her them brother once. Yeah, they I know. Yeah. I know, but I, for, I mean, for me, that is a significant thing. That like, right? And that was a that was a very dramatic and very effective step they took in first in recentering the show, but also just for Liv as a character right. to isolate and and bind her closer to the other characters in the show. So, I, like for me, that's like you kind of have to check in on that if the fact that she's a zombie is not something that her entire family know, like everyone knows, you know? Yeah. Anyways, we'll see what they do. I think you're probably right. They probably won't, but yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. And we have to have a replay of the same dynamic of, of zombie, not a zombie, but they can't bone, you know, like with Clive and, <laughs> and like, Oh, just come on guys. Just the, they, on the upside, they said that they're going to play that differently a little bit. So I'm excited okay. about that. Yeah. That's good. And, I like that Dale's going to maybe stick around for a few episodes and that makes me happy because I really like Clive and Dale and mm-hmm. I'm 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 interested in seeing how it's going to be a different dynamic. Yeah. So. I just, I'm just not that interested in the super textual stuff from Thomas, you know, like Yeah, no, I understand that. Give me a reason to be interested in this in your episode. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens next season. Listeners yeah. Reach out. <laughs> Either yell at me for not liking this more or commiserate with me because you also didn't. But right now, let's move on uh, to Queen Sugar. What do I care for morning? I had to choose between Glow and uh, Catching Up with Queen Sugar and all the other shows that I watched. Uh, so I have not caught up with, with Queen Sugar. I am still partway through episode two. Uh, this is episode three this week. But you are all caught up, Noel. So how wonderful is it to have this show back? And which character did you miss the most? Uh, It's not by the most. Right? Uh, That's the correct answer. That's the correct answer. I know. So she gets to spend uh, some good time with Hollywood um, in this episode. And Hollywood also decides to leave the rig uh, for a little while. So he's going to be back on the show um, more regularly, which I'm very excited about. um, Because, again, Aunt Vi is the best. Uh, but yeah, we just get like montage of them like hanging out in a hotel room um, mm-hmm. and then drinking alcohol by the hotel's hot tub mm-hmm. and talking about how they feel 19. And it's just like, this is great. I love this. This is mm-hmm. my favorite thing. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed all that. Um, the rest of the episode is good, um, but we're like kind of needing to like set up like new gears and stuff. Yeah. So um Praise be, you haven't gotten to this point. I can't, I don't think you've gotten to this point. Uh, but Charlie, like, forged Davis's signature. Oh, on the yep, one, yep. That was, yep. that was season, that was episode one. Okay. I thought it was episode no, two. No, it's, it's in episode two. I'm part of the way. Oh, okay. Okay. So she does that, but he immediately says, I know you did this. Mm. I'm just like, oh, thank God. 
Because yeah. A, that was dumb for mm-hmm. Charlie to do that. I was just like, no, Charlie, you're not that stupid. I understand that you feel pushed to a corner by everything that's been happening, but you wouldn't risk your business like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but Davis is like, I'm not going to say anything, but also I'd like to see Micah more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so implied, but also like, I, I don't see Davis doing something to jeopardize that as well, knowing that it would potentially jeopardize his son as well. Yeah. So Davis is also like the least interesting thing on this show, but they're still finding ways to like keep him circulating, which I think is good. And they, they managed to just find a way to justify like Micah going to see him more often, even though mm. I like this idea of Micah and Nova establishing relationship due to the experience that Micah has in jail, mm-hmm. um, which is very brief, all things considered, mm-hmm. but enough for him to be like really lost and concerned and not sure about what's happening. So I like the fact that there's going to be, hopefully, more of a bond between him and Nova going yeah. forward. So I'm really excited about that. Well, in the um, sense that we don't know what happened in that jail, so right. clearly something did, because they did not accidentally lose his paperwork. At least... On a TV show like this one, it wasn't an accident that he wasn't in the system. Well, he didn't have any ID with him, so yeah. they may they may have just entered him as a John Doe and just kind of let it go. Okay, thing. yeah, that could have happened. I'm you sure say- that's why we didn't see anything else inside the jail cell. <laughs> well, you say that, and I say black person in Louisiana. <laughs> and not putting him in as a John Doe and just writing it off, I kind of buy. Yeah. Um, you don't so you so, don't think they're going to there's there's more information that's going to come out with that? I don't I really I I would be surprised if there was more. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, you've so, seen more of it than I have, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'd be surprised if there was any more to it. Um so right, and then the only other sort of like big thing that comes out of this episode apart from Nova meeting a activist in Atlanta at a symposium and having sexy debate at a symposium mm-hmm. uh while two other poor symposium people st- sit there and go why were we invited to this <laughs> um was the fact that um the competing sugar mail sugar um mill folks um mm-hmm. landry's landry's sounds right flowers. yeah right um or flying drones over the over the farm mm-hmm. and are hiring um farmers who may not be making enough money to steal their crops Mm. yeah and so we're we're revitalizing that and it's played really nicely insofar as the other connecting thread to this is that uh charlie prevents um ralph angel from being able to basically do anything to get money out of the fund to do things because he does a couple of things without her permission and Mm -hmm. charlie being charlie just gets pissed yeah. And uh, this helps like bomb them against them, and for Charlie to realize that she needs to trust Ralph Angel a little bit yeah. in the actual running of the farm, yeah. uh, since she's the one g- gathering the money for it and all that kind of stuff. So uh, they're still like in the process of like setting up stuff. I feel like, um, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping they're going to transition out of that now and get the ball rolling now that we're three episodes into the season. Yeah. No, I think uh, I would be surprised if that wasn't, you know, yeah. where we're headed. Um and I'm I'm glad to see the the 
the issues around the 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 processing, like the mill and the, these these family feuds, basically are yeah. coming back. Because uh, I I think the stuff that we got in the first episode, the first you know beginning of the second episode too, um, was really strong. But I don't know that there's enough there for the whole season. So I. It sounds like, you know, they're going to be threading all everything together. And, like, yeah, like I said last week, I th- thought having, giving Micah, having him go through this experience at the jail was such a smart way to bind all of them. Because Charlie and Davis, obviously, but also Nova and her experience working to, to combat uh, corruption and uh, problems within the, the police community in that area. But also, of course, Ralph Angel... Who's been to jail? You know, like, yeah. so, like, it was just such a smart thing. Because, like, each of those characters is going to have a very distinct and a very emphatic opinion on stuff. Right. And they're all, a lot of them are going to have, they're not going to all be equally important and right. equally valid. But they're going to all have a, carry a lot of weight. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, it, they needed to change something. Not just have the same fights over and over again. So, I think that that was a really smart move. And I look forward to seeing how they thread everything back together. Um, did you have any final thoughts on this one? Or is it time for some Winona Herb? Gonna get you good. Like, I love saying these titles. Gonna get you good. It's just a fun, like, title to say. Uh, what did you think of, you know, what we got here? This new stuff with Black Eyed Waverly and Memory Loss. And, like, this was a very Buffy episode. It's so funny that you said this was very Buffy episode because I kept thinking the same thing throughout this and throughout this episode, and not only thinking that it was a Buffy episode, but also thinking that this would be the Buffy episode that would happen if Sunnydale had a homecoming game, and everything went horribly wrong, which <laughs> it would because Hellmouth. Um, but no, this. I, I really got like a Buffy 20, 10 years later yeah. vibe from this episode. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, it's the episode that I liked the most so far of mm-hmm. this season. Uh, just from the politics of like getting a sense of the town to which I promptly go, but why are there still kids in this town? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Enough to fill the hockey team um, was my response to all mm-hmm. of that. But sure. Show. Say that the town's empty, but you've got enough people to do the hockey team. <laughs> um, I'll roll with it because I like the episode. So I liked I liked the um, the the folks that n- kind of were aware of Winona um, coming back and being like, I still hope things are the sh- shame, creepy, creepy dude from Forbes. <laughs> um, but just the the fact that these people clearly have not grown up, given mm. their weird blessed life type of thing. And now we're paying for it. So I, I enjoyed, like, the whole wish coming back to haunt them. Mm. Again, a very Buffy sort of thing. I mean, it's um, it's it's, epi- yeah. it's the witch and yeah. the wish together, yeah. right? It's yeah. episode three of season one. Uh, two, three. Because the premieres, of course, the series premieres a two-parter. Episode three of season one of Buffy. And then the wish is episode... Well, where is it? It's in season four. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah it's It's very straight straight buffy but it has enough winona erp right. that i don't mind right i mean you've you've got winona beating up teenagers and i wish <laughs> and we had gotten to see all it. of that right but also <laughs> like the victory the slow-mo victory walk out with the trophy is just like this is the best thing the show has ever done it's not <laughs> it has done significantly other really great things but that was just like so it it was kind of summed up like my entire response to this episode mm-hmm. of like Yes, I feel like we're in a groove now. I'm very excited about it. 
And then we have dolls locked up in a barn from Demon Waverly. And I went, oh, okay. Yeah. Did I miss a beat? When did that happen? Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. Um, okay, I will good. say that I'm very glad we know what Doc is up to. And they didn't stretch that yes. out much longer. That was right. very and, good. And, and I like that it was like altruistic. And he wants a bunny back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was... I think again what this says about the pacing of everything. I, a lot of this worked out. I like that that uh, Nicole got her hair cut off screen, uh, cause, which she which she was talking about doing. I like that 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 you know looks very very fetching, yeah. um, and it fits with this her, as a response to the stuff that she's been finding out about the town and the stuff with black uh, black badge and everything. Like it it felt very in character. I like the stuff we got at the sheriff sheriff's office and yeah. you know the work they did with those characters you know with nicole but also with the, with the sheriff too um i like having some villains even if they're very yes. one note i will miss poor willow's friend um who that was a snap right Her, she's dead who the ghost like pulled Oh, yeah, she's dead, and I am very sad about that because I wanted her to be there as sort of like this balance to deal with this MRA or... Yeah, and... or will she be possessed by, you know, That Allah. would be good, too. You know, I she'll mean, be walking around, but she'll be dead, you know? Yeah, I, either way, but as long as we're not dealing with, like, Emily Dickinson and MRA guy, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I need, like, a stronger balance between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, especially because I mean, like the actor's doing his best, but he is way too old for right. me to and believe. Like he looks like he's like almost thirty. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's like yeah. you want me to buy high school? No, 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 no. no. Anyways, um, any other thoughts on this episode? Um, let's see what else stood out. Um, I enjoyed uh, Nicole being like Waverly. That's everyone's thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah um, the squeeze heard round the world yeah. <laughs> it was was very very solid but i i also really like the fact that um hot is very much aware of the fact that something is wrong mm-hmm. and it's just like why won't anyone listen to me <laughs> i loved how defensive winona was but that it did trigger something in her as well yeah. I, like that was that all felt very appropriate right. and she's like I'm not going to forget this. You said anything negative about my sister. So, yeah. I mean, I you're dead to me now, but yeah. my sister loves you, so you're not. But, like, you know, so I, th- I thought that dynamic worked well. And it was, it, she waited long enough to say something that it made sense, waited for, like, a couple more weird interactions, um, yeah. but came to Winona soon enough that fits the character and feels like it's not dumbing her down or giving her ulterior motives of, like, Ah, New Waverly is much more sexually aggressive. That's awesome for me. You know, like it, it fits right. really well. Again, the pacing of it of the season so far is is I think is working really well. Right, and you can't undercut hot like that when you have the other sheriff going. You're really smart, and you're top of your class, and all this sort of stuff. And then her yeah. being like oblivious to everything. It's just like. No, thank you for making sure that there's a connection between everything that's happening, because otherwise mm-hmm. I would just get really upset. Yeah. Apart from, again, dolls being kidnapped off screen. <laughs> Which, again, I'm still struggling to care about. Do you care about? No, I kind of feel like the show's working kind of okay without dolls around. Yeah. And I I, I mean, basically, I, I really just, I don't need dolls. I just need Lakata to show up every now and then to be, like, grumpy. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> And then, you know, we can yell at um, the, the, the tech guy. 
Yeah. Whose name I can't remember. I want to say it starts with... Who we also don't need. Who we don't need also, but, you know, sure. Okay. While Waverly's possessed by a demon, we still need something to be Mm -hmm. techie, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't need dolls. But next week is a lot of dolls um, based on the promo, so... Well, I know some uh, critics who have seen it say it's a watch it live kind of episode. So I will be staying away from Twitter (laughs) until I've seen it. Um, But yeah, we'll see. I, I, you know, hopefully they turn me around on that part because it seems like it's a not insignificant part of the season. So um, hopefully I get on board this week. Uh, What wins your week in drama and genre or and glow? <laughs> uh yeah it's glow since i've seen all of it uh really good really solid stuff um i want more female connections next season as opposed mm-hmm. to just driven by one female friendship mm-hmm. but i'm very eager for a second season provided it gets it uh what about you i will give it to i, I guess... zombie is what kate gives it to this week <laughs> uh i guess i'll give it to glow um kind of because i did it just went on it was just really really fun yeah, yeah this this week and um but but you know the one i the one i mean i'm gonna we're gonna finish recording i'm gonna watch a bunch of of glow so i right. should i should give it to glow mm-hmm. i guess um a few show notes here at the end of our week in tv you can find a post for this episode over at the televerse.org which is the website for the podcast you can email us at televerse at gmail.com you can find us on itunes with an m4a chaptered feed and an mp3 unchaptered feed and you can also find us in stitcher we would appreciate ratings and reviews both places and if you do rate or reviews reach out and let us know because we would like to say thank you you can also find us on facebook and like the page start of a conversation there send us a message there and of course we're both on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at Noel RK. And now it's time, we, you know, we've had some contentious conversations here uh, this week, a little bit more than normal, but just saying nothing. Uh, but now it's yeah. time to go get some water, listen to some music and a trailer, and come back with Alison Shoemaker of uh, the AV Club, of Consequence of Sound, and other places to have a discussion. Polite discussion Polite. about. Not a debate or arguments about American Gods Season 1. So we'll be right back after this. I love you. Something feels weird. Shadow, we're going to be releasing you a couple of days early. There's no good way to say this, so I'll put it plain. Your wife, she died in the early hours of this morning. call you if I was so inclined. Shadow Moon, what might I call you? What's today? Wednesday. Today's my day. I could use a fellow like you. You're my man now. You know who he is? Who he really is? He does not know our world. I'm easing him in. In my mind. They told me you died. Who said I died, puppy? Seems you have a choice. Either the world is crazy.
We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week at the Deep Shelf, we're talking, well, I guess it's the season spotlight, about um, the first season of, of American Gods. And listeners, clearly Noel and I could not talk about this season alone. <laughs> as we've made clear the last several episodes, we're not the biggest fans. So we thought we need to bring in a strong defender of the first season of American Gods. So from Podlander Drunk Cast and Debating Doctor Who and Consequence of Sounds and the AV Club and You're Everywhere and I Love It, it's friend of the show, Allison Shoemaker. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Okay, now did I hype you up too much? Are you just like a, a regular, I like the show, not a, like a super fan? No, I, I'm certainly not a super fan because I try really hard to not be a super fan of anything that isn't RuPaul's Drag Race anymore, mm-hmm. lest I be um, unreasonably disappointed. And you better believe we're going to talk about that off mic, by the way. <laughs> okay, good. Um, no, I did uh, really, really like the first season of American Gods. I'm also a person who really likes the book. Um, so I'm excited to talk about it. And yeah, I can defend it. That'll be easy because it's great. Awesome. Eh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that's a great place to start because Noel was not a big fan of the book and neither was I to the point where it's one of the very few books I have ever started and not finished. Um, so I feel like it was really interesting for me watching this first season because there were some ways in which it felt like they were relying on the fact that if you were watching the show, you already liked the book. And then there were other ways in which it felt like they were assuming you hadn't, so they needed to explain everything. And for me, that not liking, you know, having a lot of issues with the book, specifically around the, the just it's very, it's very white male, um, the book is, despite <laughs> the main character not being white, um, the you can feel Gaiman's lens, I would say, in the book. But for me, that didn't translate in the same way to the show. And yet I still had trouble with it. What, what, what do you think about that? Like the, the approach of the show, uh, Allison, in re- relation to the book, were they relying on the fans, like the viewers already having read the book, do you think? Or did they try to distance? Well, I think there's one tricky thing and, and, and they could have handled it better, which is that, um, Odin's identity is supposed to be this big secret, um, yet how do you not talk about the show without openly acknowledging the gods part of it because it's in the title, and it's also the hook for the series. So, like, it can't be a big surprise. You hire Ian McShane for a show called American Gods, and the odds are that he's not uh, mortal because why else would you bring in that divine human if he wasn't (laughs) going to be somehow supernatural? Um, and I think that, that that was a tension that the show sometimes played with really well and sometimes didn't. Um, I think some reveals were better than others. Um, I, there were interpretations of the gods that I really liked, and there were some that were less thrilling to me, um, specifically things that might not have resonated m- with me in the book as being a little problematic, that play is slightly more problematic on screen, um, specifically uh, the Mother Maiden Crone phenomenon. As much as I liked that episode... Um, There was a little like, oh, yep, that's all the different women that you can be. Those are your only three options. Oh, and the Jezebel, but we'll get to her later. Um, But for the most part, I think it's a really smart adaptation. And the thing that I thought about a lot, and Kate and I talked about this briefly um, in person a while ago, the, the series that I 
compared it to most readily in terms of adaptation was the, to my mind, excellent adaptation of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell that BBC America did a year ago, two years ago. Time is uh, flexible. Um, and, uh, and the same thing, the thing that was most exciting to me um, was true of both of them, one written by a white man, the other written by a woman whose ethnic background I don't know, um, uh, is that a lot of the periphery female characters got a lot more interesting on television, which you'd think in when you're coming from a sprawling novel that that's going to be the format in which you can really dive into who a person is and their... Um, motivations and their thoughts and feelings and yet somehow in both of these adaptations they managed to take female characters who were less than well developed on the page and bring them to really dramatic life um, in a way that I thought was incredibly compelling um, so on the one hand yeah there were some stumbles and I think um, some of that comes from the difficulty of doing a television show where reveals are supposed to be gradual as opposed to reading a novel where you're searching every page for a hint and you sort of know where you're going and um, it's not supposed to sustain you week to week. You're just experiencing it at your own pace. Um, but on the other hand, some really great adaptive choices that uh, brought new life to the story for me. I think that's an excellent point. The, the issue of the reveal of Mr. Wednesday's identity because the, the trouble is when you're reading a book and this is something that Nolan and I have talked about in the podcast American Gods is the kind of book that if it had grabbed me I would have read in an evening or like certainly no longer than a very busy week um and so you can unfold these this story you know there's not necessarily if it's grabbed you the way that it, it intends there's not necessarily time for you to figure out everything because you're just swept along in the story in this current age of television, we have the internet. We have Googled who is Wednesday named after, like probably before we've even watched the show. And so mm -hmm. treating that as this big math, like when, when I, he says, I says, oh, it's, I'm Mr. Wednesday. Wednesday's my day. I hadn't even read the book yet. And I was like, who's Wednesday? Because Thursday is a lot more obvious. It's like, who's Wednesday named? Oh, yep. That makes sense. So, so. I think the show could have done a much better job, like you said, Elson, of responding to that and being more aware of how viewers will watch it. And that's something that surprises me specifically from Brian Fuller because he tends to be, with Hannibal at least, and his other shows, his meant several other shows, he's very canny about his viewers. So I hadn't connected that, but I think that's a good point. Noel, do you have any, any thoughts on the way the show engaged with that, like the different approach between a book versus a TV show? I, I, I feel like a lot of it was Fuller attempting to sort of have his cake and eat it too. Insofar as he really wanted to have that kind of slow play of discovering who Wednesday was while still that being aware that he still needed to pay it off in some way sooner rather than later. So we get Shadow being really, really frustrated <laughs> and really confused for a great deal of the season without anyone actually providing an answer because he's apparently not asking the correct question or asking the question in the correct way. And that's kind of their out until we suddenly go, well, we need to up the stakes a little bit for season two. And then we can reveal it. 
And I, I, I feel like that, that was kind of their way of trying to encapsulate that idea of Shadow being kind of confused in the book, but also not really acknowledging the fact that there's this great big middle section where Shadow just ruminates on being confused for a very long time in the book and wanting to avoid that. So I think that I really do feel like they wanted the experience of what it was like for you to read the book and not know what was going on, but still needing to acknowledge the fact that we can't draw this out too long because we have eight weeks in which to tell this first chunk of story. And I don't even want to say this first bit of story. It just feels like a weird chunk. Um, and I, I, that's how I feel about it, at least in terms of a book versus television experience, is that they wanted to have both and, and maybe couldn't decide on a choice. Yeah. That being said, I think we would both agree with Allison that I, like when you talk about these the some of the peripheral characters being fleshed out, like Laura Moon and that take on that character is probably our favorite part of the season. I mean, I don't want to speak for you. I, for me, I really like the extra stuff they gave her. And my favorite stuff of the entire season was uh, Betty Gilpin freaking out <laughs> at her dead friend not being dead or still being dead in her bathroom. That was one of my favorite scenes of the year. That I, I, It's just an incredible piece of acting from both women. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, the significant expansion on Laura, considering what she basically does compared to what she just does in the novel to what she gets to do here uh, is by far and away. Like I, I would invert who was the shining beacon um, <laughs> in the desolate black and white of American gods. It, it's not shadow moon. It's Laura moon is like the, the bright light that kept me going um, for the, for the first season. For me, there's a really strong, weird tension in the show, and that is, well, first of all, as a viewer, being such a huge fan of Brian Fuller's other work and this entire cast that I've seen before, every every cast member that I've seen in something else, I've really enjoyed in the other thing I saw them in and in most of their career. And I also am a fan of Michael Green from Kings. I thought Kings was actually a rather terrific show that did not get enough time and I like Neil Gaiman and yet all these things together I, I feel like the show couldn't decide the best way to to be itself like, like the coming to America scenes were again some of my favorites but then because we spent the time on the coming to America stuff I felt like we never really got they never earned why we should care about Shadow Moon and Wednesday other than they're delightful together and they should fight about hot chocolate all the time um, and so because the focus was split between these different elements of the show, I never fully invested in the start of their road trip, of the, the main character's road trip. But I also wouldn't want to say cut the Coming to America scenes because they were some of my favorites. Yeah, I think um, that that's a really good point. And I will certainly say that in terms of what I typically appreciate in a complete season of television, for it being a piece of a larger whole that has its own beginning, middle, and end, where I feel like by the time I've reached the end, I can look back at the beginning and see all of the very clever machinations that have brought us there. Um, this isn't that. This is like um, 
the best comparison I can make, and I swear to God this is a compliment to both shows, is actually to the second season of Legends of Tomorrow, where at a certain point in the season, they obviously said, well, screw it. Let's just do whatever sounds like the most entertaining thing to do at the time. Let's just do that. And what they got was a season that didn't really have a clear through line. There was ostensibly a story about leadership. Um, Rip kind of had a journey, even though he was absent for most of it. But for the most part, it was, I know what we need right now is the atom being chased by a giant rat. How do we get to the atom being chased by a giant rat? Let's do that. And the result was this uneven, but incredibly entertaining season of television. And this is kind of what I feel like this is. And I sort of appreciate Fuller and Green's willingness to wander because it just kind of felt like they jumped in this text that they both clearly love and wandered around in it. And that as a whole, I find very fascinating, even if I don't find it dramatically satisfying in the way that I find most shows where I think, God, that was a great season. And I, and I appreciate it because of how well-made it is. This is like, I appreciate it because it is exactly what it is. And I'm not even sure what that is. And by the time Kristen Chenoweth's hair came down and was blowing everywhere, I was like, I just don't care. I'm here. I'm so in it. I'm so with you. And a lot of the filters that I would normally turn on are just gone because I'm so enraptured by whatever it is that's happening. Well, that's that. I think that's sort of like the 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 the, the Rubicon for one of a better thing is like couldn't it kept asking me to put I kept wanting I kept having to put up filters to sort of get through things and that was where uh that I I I I kept equating it I think I think a couple weeks ago with Kate I was just like is this what people who didn't like Hannibal felt like whenever they watched an episode of this show is that was that the same experience that I'm having right now and I, I think that that was the, the like the big problem I was having is that everything that was happening, I kept going, I don't care about any of this. And there wasn't any sort of like thing of cool to like propel me forward in any way, shape or form, apart from like the, to Kate's point of like, yeah, I, I, I could watch Ian McShane and Ricky Whittle. Uh, sort of argue and bicker and I could watch Ian McShane yell at a crow for an hour in fact I would much rather watch that um but there wasn't anything that kind of every time that I felt like the show was sort of like ready to like almost grab me I kept going like but but why is she dressed like David Bowie there's not a reason she's dressed like David Bowie you just thought it would be and i kept waiting for there to be a little bit more than just cool and i think that was like a weird sort of expectation in that i'm okay with legends of tomorrow just deciding to say hey fuck it but i needed this show not to say hey fuck it for some reason and i i'm not entirely sure why i didn't want them to say eh fuck it and i don't know what it was that where that disconnect and why i had that expectation for this beyond the fact that um, Legends of Tomorrow's first season was just really bad. And I was like, all right, you guys are just figuring this out on the fly. I can kind of roll with that. Whereas this from, to Kate's point about everyone that was involved in this, I expected a little, something that hung together much better. To that specific point, I, 
I, it's an argument that I completely understand. And to me, it wasn't, oh, well, it's David Bowie because that would be cool. So fine. Um, because everybody, just for kicks, if you have some free time and want to experience like a truly great internet pleasure, um, two of my very favorite writers, um, Tom and Lorenzo. Love uh, them. Right? They jumped back into an in-depth, exploration of costume design for television at length for the first time since Mad Men and it was for American Gods and you can find it by going to their site and searching for the tag um, I think it's American Gods style the feature is called God style there are five parts they analyzed every major costume in the series and it's just an incredibly gripping read and if you love Mad Men go back and read Mad Style because it's one of my favorite things that's ever existed um <laughs> So that's specifically about that costume design moment. I think that they have a really fabulous interpretation of it. But, um, yeah, I can see wanting more direction and more focus and wanting to see a, a higher, wanting it to be able to be this big sprawling thing where stuff that you don't expect to happen happens, but also feel like it's moving forward in a way that makes sense. I completely understand that. Um, and thank God I didn't have to review this because I'm not sure what I would have said week to week. But I didn't have to. I got to just sit and watch a book that I really love and gobbled up, come to life in a way that I didn't expect at all. And by the time I got to, I did review the, um, for Consequence of Sound, I did review the first three episodes um, as like a pre-air. Um, and by the time I got to the end of Get Gone, I was so thrilled and exhilarated that an artist like Brian Fuller was willing to put so much of himself into an adaptation of a very well-known book by a beloved author because most adaptive artists would have shied away from really going for it like that. And there was something so audacious and authentic about the choices that he made um, that it was just really thrilling for me to uh, watch. I mean, he, he, he just finished doing that. <laughs> um, uh, with Hannibal and like this mass massive remix that he did because it's not even like a straight adaptation it's very much a remix of the Harris novels um Science of the Lambs aside but even that is like there's elements like little themes of it in there so I I I, I don't res I can't respond to it on like the he's pouring himself into another adaptation when I'm not, I'm struggling to find a way to connect to that adaptation in any way, shape, or form. And I, again, this is like, I, I, I don't know what to respond to in this show beyond like Emily Browning's overall performance and their overall conception of Laura Moon. And then going like, well, the rest of this is fine, I guess, was like always my response to an episode was, this was fine, I guess. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, well, that's totally fair. And maybe it's, uh, maybe this will always be a kind of your mileage may vary show. Right. And I, like you guys, I loved Hannibal, but I know there are other people who it was just not for them at all. And maybe right. he's just one of those artists. Well, it's so strange for me because uh, I have loved every show that he has done. I even liked the pilot for 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Um I was like, oh, this is delightful. I actually think this probably would have been a good show. Um, but maybe I just always want to see Eddie Izzard on my TV, which is true. Um, anyways, uh, for this one, what I, for as a, you know, we're coming to, towards the end of our time here. Unfortunately, listeners, we are pressed for time this week. 
um, because of because of people's schedules. Unfortunately, we can't talk as long as I know we would love to just go for an hour on this, knowing both of you guys. But what as an exercise, I'm going to challenge you, Noel, to have any of your elements that you think worked or could be pivoted into a real strength in the next season. It will surprise no one. I'm going to point to the music, which I thought on the whole was nowhere near as effective and powerful as the scoring in Hannibal. It's the same composer, Brian Reitzel. But um, while I did in the later episodes hear what you were talking about, Noel, about there were too many similarities to the Hannibal scoring in moments when they intend for Shadow Moon to feel overwhelmed. And then Reitzel uses the same tools and the same uh, approach that he used in Hannibal for Will Graham so frequently. On the whole, I thought the, the scoring was terrific. I thought the visual aesthetic worked really well. And I would hope in the next season that they would embrace much more fully the dreamscape that they like dip their toe in in the premiere, which was one of my favorite parts of the premiere. We get the 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 flaming eyes of the buffalo and the the tree of bones and all of that. And I thought that was was really interesting and neat. And then they didn't really return to that much for the the whole season. I also gotta say, if I'm gonna praise something about the show they took a character and an introduction that <laughs> is tricky at best in the book. Um, and I thought absolutely nailed it on the show. And that was the, the approach for Bilquis. And I thought that Yutidi Badaki, while she didn't get anywhere near enough to do in this first season was terrific in that role. And they, again, they took something that should not have worked and did did it really well. Noel, is there anything you can point to? Because our listeners have heard us complain about this ah, season ah. a lot. Right. Well, I... What I worked for you, you? I think you touch on it with wanting to tap into the green, dreamscape. And one of the things that, even, I've, even though I was generally, like, sort of lukewarm on the overall thing and even the finale was the fact that the finale just kind of throws things out a little bit. I mean... This isn't how they meet Easter. They certainly don't take away the spring. And I just kind of go, my basic expectation is just like, do more of that. Is you drift away from the source material in much more, in much larger ways. And stretch out, basically, a little bit. And find some find ways to tell these this particular type of story, which I think you can still get to its ultimate end game, provided they want to stick to that in a way that makes sense. Um, and the other thing I'll say is to hone in on like the Vulcan episode, which I think is a, not a particularly good episode, but it was also one of the few episodes I felt like had a really attention at a thematic idea around it, like a self-contained thematic idea. And doing more of that while you're exploring this big mess that is how all these gods came to the United States and how all of this gets mixed up and jumbled together and shaken like of some sort of weird puzzle box um, is a really compelling concept. And it's one of the more compelling concepts of the book that I, I don't even feel like the book really delivered on. But I feel like the show can in a lot of ways. Um, and the fact that you can just get actors to show up and do these like really fun little bit parts sometimes speaks volumes to both what they can do, but also just come on guys, come play a God for a day 
and just like all the fun possibilities of that alone, I think gets me really excited. So I think that's what I want is like them to veer even more away from the source material and really sort of make this their own. Alison, any other uh, elements that you want to, because we've, we've glazed over so much, um, but any of the elements that you, of the first season you want to dive in with quickly or, or things that you're hoping for in the second season? Oh, um, it would be hard for me to dive in because like I said, it just, it, it does kind of whatever it wants, whenever it wants to. Um, I have a, like a, a totally selfish, completely unreasonable hope and then a more reasonable one, um, for season two. I want them to find a way to get Ellen Green on this show so bad that it hurts <laughs> me physically. Um, if they could just please, I don't care if they have to invent a god. I don't care if she works at a diner. Maybe she's the tour guide for House on the Rock. Whatever it is that you want to do. That would be such a good Ellen idea. In this show. Let's, let's do that. Can we just have a spin-off show with her and Beth Grant where they're like yes. like married or something and just running the bar? Oh. Yes. Oh my god. Please, please Would let watch. that happen. Would absolutely watch. Um the other is that I hope given their willingness to spend so much more time with Laura than the book does, um that they will find a way to bring Betty Gilpin back for season 2. Um because while she didn't have all that much screen time, um, her connection with Emily Browning and with Ricky Whittle and um, very deliberate but uninhibited crafting of this character I found incredibly compelling. And since the show has already proven that it's willing to let Laura be all kinds of things, um, I wonder if they can't find a way uh, to sort of make the next phase of her buddy comedy um, one with Betty Gilpin. Although I also should say that I thought Pablo Schreiber was great. Um, yeah. And I don't always think he's great, but I thought he was just terrific. And it, they were so much fun together. And on the run in a stolen ice cream truck is the new way that I want to die. <laughs> so, um, it, it just, I thought that that was an inspired episode. And yeah, they were great. Not a bad luck, you know, metal rod through the face. Oh, yeah. Maybe not that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think we should at least give a nod to the amazing, sh very short scene, but uh, Orlando Jones, oh, his yes. sequence. Um, I, they, they got me to really invest in Ibis and Jackal, um, who, who are characters we don't even really meet very briefly, I guess. We see them together in like one scene but um there that's all stuff that they're laying the groundwork for in the next season i thought jonathan tucker was terrific in his one sequence because you don't mess with the ladies at the airport uh and of course uh Peter, i i know noel it, you didn't really care about this this performance or character as much but i loved peter stormare so very much mm -hmm. in his brief turn and that's the thing that makes this this season so challenging for me is because I really like little parts of it. And for me, it didn't come together. Like the, 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 the sequence we got with the gin and Salim, like it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful to see. And I, I was so invested in those characters immediately. And then the internet told me that there was going to be another scene with them together and it never happened. And I was pissed. Yeah, I um I hope that that is something we will also return to. Um 
I, I mean, I have high hopes for the second season. At the very least, we could consider the first season kind of a, um, like a um, testing the water for all kinds of ideas. Um, because I just I think that they've got so many different places to jump off from. I also should say that Bruce Langley, who plays uh, Technical Boy, um, another dramatic reinvention, at least in terms of uh, approach from the book, um, was also really great in that he was just so perfectly awful. Very punchable. Um, yeah, totally punchable. To quote Tom and Lorenzo, a perfectly punchable face. Um, which apparently is a descriptor he really loves. So I thought that he was terrific too. And Crispin Glover, anytime you can get Crispin Glover on screen, I am there yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if they can just get me to like the whole as much as I like the parts, I'll be very interested in season two. Um, Allison, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and being our defender here of American Gods season one. I look forward to continuing this discussion over some drinks sometime in the future. Yes, uh, please. <laughs> Where can our listeners oh, find you and your work online? Well, you, Noel, if you would just come to Chicago, I'm just saying. Yeah, come uh, to Chicago. Why don't you guys come to Seattle? That costs money. Well, In my yeah. head, it doesn't cost you money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could actually probably end up in Seattle sometime relatively soon. So I will send you a message about that. Where can people yeah. find me? Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Allison Shu. Um, I'm a senior writer at Consequence of Sound, um, covering primarily TV and film, the occasional music thing. They let me review the Hamilton mixtape, and that's probably it for my music criticism career. Um, and uh, on the AV Club and some other places. But yeah, just find me on Twitter and um, oh, and then debating Doctor Who and Podlander Drunkcast. And uh, oh, I'm on a Stephen King podcast called The Losers Club. I'm all kinds of places and I am very tired. <laughs> <laughs> I, I resemble that statement. Um, thank you again, Allison, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. It is. It's terrible. It's bad in every way. It's so 90s country music, though. It's so 90s country music. I'm very glad I didn't listen to country music in the 90s then. I, you know, I was led to believe that it was all Dixie Chicks empowerment, at least uh, one corner of it. But maybe that's just the aughts. Yeah, that's the aughts. Yeah, (laughs) because that was some bullshit right there. I'm so tortured. I was an asshole to you. Like, we don't know anything about the lady in the song. She might be terrible. But we definitely know he's a dick. And, like, uh, what's it like? I'm not asking for much. Just give me an hour and then I'll leave. It's like, an hour? You want an hour? Like, I so hope you're editing this in. (laughs) It's just, okay, it's a terrible song. And it's not that, it's not that good of a song. It's not, like, he has got a good voice, obviously. But it's like, it's just so whiny and entitled, male privilege-y, like, toxic masculine. It's like all of this, like, like this is so much of our problem <laughs> as a world. <laughs> it's like this is patriarchy right here. Anyways, okay.
Um, listeners, uh, if I if I do stick this at the end of the episode, this would be Noel and myself uh, discussing Ooh-hoo. Friends in Low Places, which he caused me to discover last week, and which is a terrible song. It's horrible, and uh, at least now I know. <laughs> Anyways. <That's true. sighs> okay. This Week in Comedy...